one ticket for And Why Not, please. podcast from the nosy haunt themselves i'm Stuart moraine and we're back for another episode of chats about the movies we love uh each episode i'm joined by a guest who has picked a film that they love and then we talk about it what it means to them why they love it as well as going off as all film chats do in multiple tangents about other films the creators all that sort of thing uh for this episode i was joined on the pork chop express by the mighty daryl forp to talk about the 1986 john carpenter classic Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the chat, and as always, keep the film talk going in the comments wherever you see this episode posted. And thanks in advance for listening. Now let's roll the trailer. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here, and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Jack! They told him to go to hell. He make one move. And that's just where he's going. Somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. How are you going to spring us? I have no idea. Hello, Daryl. How are you? I am good. Hello, Stuart. How are you? Happy New Year. To you. Thank you. Uh, did you have a good Christmas and that? It seems weird to be this close to the end of January, but still asking people whether they had a good Christmas. But I, I know. Seen... I know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I was one of the lucky ones whose family didn't get completely striked down with a uh, coat with Omicron. Yeah. Um, so saw the family, which I haven't seen for uh, God knows how long um ate loads of food you know how it goes drunk loads of drink <laughs> now I'm trying to burn it off <laughs> yeah that's the problem isn't it yeah paying for my sins well <laughs> if you can't do it at christmas when can you do it this is very true this is my very, problem very is, is that i just shift it all off by august and then it's my birthday so i start eating cake and shit because it's my birthday yeah. Yeah, and then it's trying yeah, it's to a... burn that off for Christmas. Then you get to like October. It's going to be Christmas soon. It's not even worth fucking trying, is it? No. <laughs> so Keep I'm up. generally at my healthiest between sort of March and August. <laughs> yeah, you are looking weirdly healthy at the moment. I think we. I said that last time we had a conversation. I was because I hadn't seen you since uh, probably 2019 uh, at True Believers. Yeah, it's probably one of the last Trues, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. And I was shocked how much weight you'd lost. In a good way, you look yeah. very dapper. Well, so I'm slowly piling it back on. It's not as good as it was last time we spoke. Bit, bit of love weight, <laughs> as uh, I like to call it. 
there was a point where I was like, who am I actually trying to impress anymore? I feel healthy. So. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be the rock. So what's the point? <laughs> Don't talk about that guy, especially around this movie. Well, yeah, well, we'll come into that. So, yeah, anyway, we're uh, as people would have guessed from the picture on this podcast. But, yeah, we're going to be talking about Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of information. Uh, it was written by Gary Goldman and David Z. Weinstein in its original form. And then it was adapted by W.D. Richter, uh, Richter into the film that we now have with some rewrites by John Carpenter in places. Uh, directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, King Cattrall, Dennis Dern and James Hong, amongst others. Uh, released in cinemas in the U.S. on the 2nd of July, 1986. And then we got it on the 14th of November of the same year in this country. Uh, it grossed. Just over 11 million worldwide on an estimated budget of 25 million, according to IMDb. And the American film critic Roger Ebert gave the film two stars out of four, saying the special effects are undeniably mind boggling. Uh, They don't. Sorry. The special effects are undeniably mind boggling. They don't mean much unless we care about the characters who are surrounded by them. And in this movie, the characters often seem to exist only to fill up the foregrounds, which I disagree with. But massively. It's, it's quite nice to have a counter. The problem with Roger Ebert reviews is even when he does a good review, it still sounds like he's shitting on the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched the episode of Siskel and Ebert where they reviewed it and neither of them were fans of it. But, you know. Hmm. By the, they, they also didn't like Die Hard, so. I mean, <laughs> fuck me. How can you not like Die Hard? I know. Then there's other films that you're like, really? You like that piece of shit? Oh, God. Some people, I feel like with these movie reviewers sometimes, they just have to kind of buck the trend and say it's crap or, you know, they have to kind of not say they like something just so they sound intelligent, you know? Yeah. That's just how I feel about it. I mean, I quite like it sometimes just to get the counterpoint across so you can at least think of it from that point of view and be like, yeah, is it? No, I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, God. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this before we sort of go into it, this film suffered greatly at the hands of very poor marketing. Yeah, that a three million pound budget. Yeah. From what I read, which is ridiculous. And I don't for, think for a movie. was happy with the posters, even though one of them was a Drew Struzan. I think he was like, just doesn't really look like me. Plus, no. nobody really cared who Kurt Russell was, <laughs> in his words. Yeah. Time, so. Well, yeah, because I read that um, he. Carpenter was was going to cast um, Clint Eastwood or Jack Nicholson is who he wanted for Jack Burton and um, the studio said oh what about working with um, Kurt Russell because obviously he'd, he'd by then he'd done Escape from New York with him Elvis and he'd done the thing, the thing as well so they're like oh maybe you should um, you know go and see him and then Carpenter did a sit down with Kurt Russell and was like oh you know Jesus you are Jack Burton but it's quite weird to think that he thought um Clint Eastwood or I mean could you imagine Clint Eastwood in big trouble <laughs> yeah I I don't know if it's on the commentary or if it was an interview but I know um Kurt Russell had said look you know I've just come off a string of bombs I don't really want to, I'm not sure I'm the guy you want why don't you get bigger names and John Carpenter said no I just want to make it with you yeah so there seems to be conflicting things about the cast and that but yeah um, definitely the good choice in the end obviously yeah I think it's of the 80s films that Kurt Russell did I think it's one of his favorites yeah certainly of the ones that were underappreciated at the time but became cult hits 
I mean, it's massive, isn't it? I don't, I mean, maybe it's just in the circles that we move in, but uh, it's all we ever, all of us ever talk about. Yeah. Like, and maybe, you know, or we reference it or we wink and nod to it or, you know, like it's just such a massive, it's a huge cult film. That's I'd it. say it's like up there with people talking about Indiana Jones and shit like that all the time. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's what the studio wanted, wasn't it? Uh, Indiana Jones thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll sort of get into that in a minute. But so, what Sorry. are your first memories of watching it? Sort of, did you, was it a cinema film or just? No, no, I was a kid. I was um, a teenager. Yeah, but it was the eighties, so anybody. <laughs> yeah, I was a little kid. You could be yeah. horribly underage, and your parents would just take you because like, fuck it, we want to watch this. You're watching it. Yeah, I remember going up to um, Mix, which was a. Um, basically behind my house on the estate we had a little uh, string of shops so the green grocers the fishmongers we had a newspaper shop and on the end we had mix which basically he did videos to that you could rent and then just did like you know kind of crap food i guess you know right. that kind of like just junk food really yeah it's almost like a bit of um happy like a kind of like a happy shopper remember like happy shopper yeah yeah so kind of that but you'd go in there and he'd have like um last action hero and all that you know running man but so all the vhs is on the wall and uh here's this indian dude that was just quite funny because he didn't didn't give a monkeys what he (laughs) he rented out to people so um yeah i I basically my dad gave us i can't remember what it was now probably a quid or something like that to go up and rent a film and I remember renting that and bringing it back and my dad being very happy that um, I'd picked it up. I think he was pretty shocked, actually. Um, just just because, obviously, he probably thought I was going to bring back some crap. But he was like, oh, yeah, we'll sit down and watch this. So I remember sitting there watching my dad, which is quite a fond memory, and just being complete. I think I've watched that back to back as many times as I could before I had to take it back two days later. I used to do that with video. I miss video games <laughs> yeah. for that it's like i'm gonna get the maximum amount of value out of this quid that i possibly can yeah yeah i'm gonna wear this tape out yeah yeah exactly that yeah very good memories of of the film yeah see for me this is one of those weird ones that i don't know when or where it came into my life it just was there one day Mm. Mm. and i remember it always being on tv late yeah like on like channel four or channel five or something like you'd you'd be sat there and you'd be like oh what's on and then it just suddenly start yeah and you'd hear you'd see i remember a couple of times as soon as i saw wang um not wang egg <laughs> at the beginning where he's yeah when you see egg at the beginning and he's talking to the lawyers or something isn't he and he's got like the electric in his hands uh, i remember that and then having the amazing jack burton kind of speech as he's driving along in the pork chop express like and every time i see that like I'm smiling like a Cheshire cat now because it's just um, his monologues. I could just I could just sit there all day and listen to to him just like give me life advice. <laughs> That's it. We need we need the Jack Burton Port Chop Express podcast, don't we? Oh, my That's God. The natural progression ima- for where he'd be, isn't it? Oh, can you imagine that? It'd be absolutely unreal, wouldn't it? Yeah. That opening yeah. scene, every time I forget it's there. So every time oh, really? he starts, I'm like, what the fuck? Is- oh, yeah, no, that's right. The studio made him put this bit on, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, to make sure that you didn't know that he was a complete chucklehead, <laughs> which he is. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I love. I love that Kurt Russell is playing him as like the stupid John Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and I mean, as a kid, I was like, he is the coolest. It's like, he is the hero of this film. It's only as you sort of get older and you're like, he's the fucking yeah. sidekick. Yeah. And he's a bit of a and lemon. Not even in a very it, good well, one. No. No. I think, like, the amount, like, well, I watched it the other day just because obviously we were talking about it. And I paid more attention than what I've ever paid before. And there's so many bits in it that just have me in absolute stitches. Like where he does a fight scene, uh, you know, the one like, with the big brawl at the end. Yeah. And uh, this kind of um, samurai dude um, <laughs> goes to like uh, hit with a sword and then he stabs him through the heel of his boot, doesn't he? Yeah. And then they get stuck because <laughs> the guy <laughs> dies on top of him and everyone's kicking off and he must be there for out five or six minutes while all this stuff's going on and he's just stuck on the floor with this guy on him <laughs> and he's running around going oh christ oh shit yeah i can't get him off oh well, so god coming up with ways to take him out of the action but still have him there because yeah. like, he's going to be shit in this he's not going to be able to fucking handle yeah. it so yeah because i love that and um my kids were watching it with me for that end fight scene. So obviously the bit where he fires oh, the gun in the air when they're yes. all like rallying up and he knocks himself, <laughs> he out. himself out. And my youngest was pissing himself out. <laughs> and I love brilliant. that he's got lipstick on his face for the yeah. last, for been the last big Kim fight. He's got a really cool knife movement, but then he's got... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then he's a hero at the end, isn't he? Which I always think is brilliant because at the beginning they do the whole bottle thing. Yeah. It's all in the reflexes. And then at the end when uh, Lo Pan throws a knife at him and he catches the knife and then like nails him with it back in the head and he d- becomes the hero at that That's point, it. doesn't he? And you just think, oh man, like that is such a sweet setup with that bottle scene. Yeah. Because if it didn't have that, then you would not believe that he could do that at the end. That's it. It's the Chekhov's gun thing, isn't it? But... Yeah. Yeah. The bit that always cracks me up is when they're at the door. He's like, is it hollow? He's like, yeah. He's like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just smashes it. Smashes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. There's just yeah. so many bits that, like, also, like, I was thinking today, like, just going over it in my mind. And when, like, um, Wang and the uh, the sword guy are kind of leaping through the air again and again and again, to me, it had a bit of a like crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if they kind of have seen this and kind of took something from this and kind of went, ah, oh, you know, floaty martial arts. Because I don't, I mean, I've watched a lot of martial arts, like old sort of films, but I mean, I used to watch like a lot of, um, you know, like Drunken Master and things like that. And I don't remember there being lots of kind of, dudes flying around in the air everywhere correct me if i'm wrong again um my memory of like the old kung fu movies and that is what my child minder's son used to put on so i couldn't tell you what films they were right right. i just have this fond memory for a type of kung fu movie that isn't a specific kung fu movie if that makes sense yeah yeah this film with the use of like the indoor street sets rather than actually filming on a street location yeah so where you got the truck moving through the narrow street and it's a set yeah, that really harkens back to those old school kung fu movies for some reason. Yeah. Even though most of them tend to happen out in a forest or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think it, the way they did that as well, like where it came in, because um, it was meant to be a western, wasn't it originally? Yeah. Um, I think it brings that kind of western vibe, doesn't it? Like really quiet, dead street. You see like low pan kind of hanging out on the side road, and 
you kind of have um a funeral kind of going on had a real kind of spaghetti western style kind of vibe to it obviously in a in kind of modern setting which is quite cool yeah yeah it's um lopan used to freak me out as a kid i could never put my finger on why because when you he still now, freaks he's me like, out he's, he's creepy but it's that's because he looks he's, like he's also fucking... very funny as well i didn't realize that james hong was a stand-up comedian at one point no way I didn't it, know kind that. Of, it kind of makes sense i think yeah again i think it's in one of the john carpenter interviews really i think it's because he looks like a 90 year old drag queen yeah what he scares the life out of me. the eyeliner and all the kind of get up is a bit it's quite extreme really see it's always that and wayne's world 2 with him that it's like oh. oh yeah he's in wayne's world 2 of course he is but but yeah it's um like i say it's just it's weird that they it, got away with it sort of how they played the film out you yeah. really would have thought i mean obviously the studio tried to force it after the fact mm. but yeah and again i couldn't imagine clint eastwood playing jack burton if it was a western maybe and they were playing him straight because <laughs> it was a western when goldman and weinstein wrote it wasn't it and that's why yeah yeah rich, that's right uh, rich Tur's done as down as an adapting it rather than yeah because i think they originally tried to take goldman and weinstein's names off it they're like no fuck you you might have moved it to present day and changed it but it's still yeah. our basic story i think that's because basically like the western one was meant to be that uh he comes in and he loses his horse and, he's, yeah. and the whole film's him trying to find a horse wasn't it and he was bringing um meat or something for the chinese uh railway that's right uh, workers or something isn't it yeah and point, but at the same time it yeah. <laughs> no so i can understand why you think eastward because obviously he was massive wasn't he in spaghetti westerns yeah. like and it's quite bizarre that even after all of his movies like dirty harry and you know all of his kind of more modern kind of films that he's been in and directed as well you still think of him as you know fistful of dollars Except, I imagine except, any western getting made the first name is like can we still get Clint Eastwood yeah Clint around I'm surprised <laughs> well, this is about that, a 30 um, year old woman but I mean we can try sure yeah <laughs> you'd, it would have been good to see him in like The Hateful Eight or something with uh, Quentin it been good to see Clint in that yeah well, I think Clint had retired because he officially retired with Gran Torino and then he did Trouble with the Curve sort yeah. of on a sidebar as a favour to a friend but then he was supposed to be done with acting but he keeps popping up in shit yeah he keeps casting himself as the lead in his movies i mean you so, would wouldn't you yeah i swear yeah. the one the last one sorry he had to, he had some like young hot chicks hump, jumping around him he was a, he was a he was a, a drug with. mule is it called the mule, oh, the mule. yeah yeah and he's got like these hot young girls jumping all over him it's like well, i'd cast myself in a film like that as well <laughs> you know I'm making so a film of you cast yourself in the film like, oh, i mean well. <laughs> Just needed. I felt like I had one more story yet to tell. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was this or talking to an empty chair at a Republican convention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do yeah. the film, Clint. <laughs> I tell you, what my, I tell you my favourite bit is that I, I was um, reading somewhere that that's one of the reasons they gave uh, Kurt Russell the saddlebags to kind of give it a little wink to the. Yeah. It should have been a western, and then I read that um, that he actually the boots in it he had handmade um and he was the person that instigated him wearing the boots and i just laughed because i thought would anyone really fucking care 
Like, <laughs> can you imagine going, him going up to John Carmen again? Um, John, I've got a slight tweak, and you know, and I can imagine Carmen being like, "Oh, fucking here we go." He's got a tweak, is he? Um, so I was in uh, I was in Colorado last week, and I saw these boots handmade. Thinking of wearing them during the film. Yeah, all right, nice one, Kurt. Um, that's, I'll, that's I'll make sure week. that they add that in the script so everyone knows that you're wearing the boots that you picked. Um, thanks, mate. Um, I'll call you when we need you. <laughs> that's an <laughs> that excellent just... way of handling your buyer's remorse, isn't it? I bought these boots. Fuck, I kind of regret it. I wonder if I can get the studio to pay for them. Yeah, yeah. They they look like they look like kind of westerny, don't they? It's like not <laughs> not at all. They're the weirdest boots in the world. <laughs> so, and then I like the other day when I was watching it, it's like paying real attention to the boots because I was like, I, like, well, what is it about them? They're just really bizarre, really bizarre. So, they're very Jack Burton, though. They're very kind of what the hero, of, the guy who thinks he's the hero of the story, would wear. Yeah, it's just like his outfit is just when you really boil it down, it's very random. <laughs> a vest, a pair of five hundred ones, and some handmade knee-high moccasins. You know, with a saddlebag. <laughs> I mean, it's a look. It's not Indiana Jones, is it? It's not one you... Uh... <laughs> I suppose that's that tricky thing, though, isn't it? Because obviously this is like Indiana Jones, Romance in the Stone and... Yeah. Like all, all those Alan Quatermain movies and all that sort of thing. Yeah, all kind of mashed up. So I suppose you kind of want to be like anything but like a safari shirt and yeah. chinos. Yeah. God, man, Jack Burton, didn't, well, he kind of dressed up like a nerd, didn't he, to go into the strip bar or the uh, the brothel. Yeah, I think that's his outfit from Used Cars. Is it? What I read in a bit of trivia. <laughs> I love him playing that part. Kurt Russell does nerdy guys so well. He does. He really, really does. And Father Christmas as well. He's the best Father Christmas ever. Yeah. But, uh... I mean, he's Kurt Russell. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. It depends on how you look at the it. The hell it does. So somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. The truth? I can take it. We don't know. <laughs> he, could, he could do anything. I mean, uh, um, it's tough for me because I think I've said it before, like... Not, I don't know if it's you, but like I, I'm a massive Kurt Russell fan, but I'm more of a Mel Gibson fan from the 80s than I was Kurt Russell. Yeah. So, so when they did Tequila Sunrise, oh my god, I think I've watched that even more than I've watched this. Like, it's just amazing, especially when was it Mel Gibson has that like shags that bird for like feels like about 20 minutes in the film. <laughs> I wonder if that was a note from Mel. Yeah. And I'm going to last for a long, long, long time. <laughs> See, the thing with Mel Gibson is, obviously, he's problematic now, but he was a charming motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. There's Martin Riggs. Oh, my yes, God. It. Yeah. Yeah. If I could be anyone, it would be Martin Riggs all day. Like, I don't... Never, never, ever crosses my mind. He's just the coolest dude ever. At, yeah. Like, just stone cold cool. Plus, his chemistry with Danny Glover, it was perfect. Yeah. Again, we're just straying away. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. That's kind of how these conversations go. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. It, um... Don't turn off. <laughs> and then, sort of, Kurt Russell did his own sort of Mel Gibson thing in Tango and Cash. So. Mm, mm. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, he was very Rich, good in it. 
that's, that's one of those films that I'm like, I really like this film. And then another time I watch it, I'm like, this is a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> then I watch yeah. it again and I'll be like, I fucking love this. Why did I yeah. get off it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that real flip-flop film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, sort of in, this was a weird point in both John Carpenter and Kurt Russell's career because neither of them were coming off particularly big hits. No. Sort of possibly not until Tombstone in the 90s, maybe for Kurt Russell, that it really starts to swing up again. Yeah, yeah. And even then, he very much stayed sort of below the radar. Yeah, I remember his him choices. Doing, I remember him doing, um, no, he didn't, it wasn't Bird and Wire, he did um, Overboard, didn't he? I remember that. Yeah. And that was quite, I don't know if it was big because I was a kid, so I don't understand how yeah, big it I, was. But I think Goldie Horn would have really helped the ratings on that one because she was quite yeah, big yeah, at that yeah. point. I think that was peak Goldie Horn, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very much a, a, a Goldie, Horn, Goldie Horn vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. What I found really interesting is that they had that they were trying to beat uh, the Golden Child to to get it out in the box office with Eddie Murphy, yeah. which I thought was really quite, quite crazy. So they sped up production just to get just to beat it because it's it's similar. And I'd never even really put the two together before. I think, but probably because I wouldn't have really been aware of them coming out in the cinema necessarily to be able to make that distinction of like they're both the same or they're both very similar. But what I thought was brilliant is both um, Egg and Lopan are in Golden Child as well as they're in um, Big Trouble. And I was thinking, so were they filming that at the same time as of like because they came out at the same time surely they would have been crossed over somewhere yeah possibly it's um golden child's a film i didn't watch until i obviously seen bits of it hmm. but not enough to ever really remember it so i didn't watch it properly for the first time until last year no. when i was on a bit of an 80s movies kick yeah trying to sweep up some of the ones i'd missed yeah. Um, I like Golden Child, but again, at no point watching it, was like, this is very big trouble in Little China. But I think it's because it deals with Chinese mysticism. Yeah. Um, again, there's a, quite a good interview with John Carpenter, who's like, you look at the entire history of Hollywood up to this point, and there's been very few films about Chinese mysticism in America. Then yeah. all of a sudden, in the same year, there's two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, I think he thought that the Golden Child went into development off the back of big trouble yeah. happening. So yeah. that's why they wanted to get out first. And then were sold out by the studio. And then no marketing happened. Cetera, Although the Golden Child, I don't think, was particularly well received at the time either. No, it so. wasn't. No, I heard that. I heard that flopped as well. Um, but it doesn't surprise me because it's like it's all right. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's not. Again, it, it's a, possibly suffers from its depiction of chinese americans a bit like there's an yeah. argument for this film suffering from it as well although I, yeah absolutely. again it's difficult to say as a white man in england how it handles its depiction yeah but i kind of feel like big trouble was a bit more like gremlins in that like there was this kind of chinese mysticism going on but it wasn't like too serious no and at least big trouble the hero of the film is the chinese guy yeah yeah it's, it's not the white american savior yeah exactly yeah i thought that was really interesting um that wang is obviously the main guy and um apparently his agent was like don't do this film because 
they all read it and just didn't get what the hell the film was about. They couldn't work out, is it a comedy? Is it action? Is it this? Is it that? So they were like, don't, whatever you do, don't do this film. It's it's not good. You shouldn't do it, sort of thing. And then the guy that plays Wang was like, nah, fuck it, I'll do it. Which I'm glad he did, because I think he's brilliant in it. Yeah, I'm he's surprised he's not like... been in more. He was in Prince of Darkness for John Carpenter afterwards, and then he doesn't really seem to... David Dunn, isn't it? Was it Wang? Uh, Dennis yeah, Dunn, sorry. Um, yeah, and he just doesn't seem to have been in much. And I was like, you know, no. he's one of the standouts for me out of the people that... I don't recognise from other things. Obviously, you know you, Kurt Russell's. If you're of a certain yeah. age, you know you King yeah. Trials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I saw some criticism of in a review for King Trials saying that her acting was hammy at times, but I kind of thought that was a deliberate choice. Yeah, and I heard that she was filming something else as well. So she was uh, doing a TV series that she was in at the time. Uh, so she was basically there during the day and then she would come in the evening and then like between her kind of TV stuff, she was coming in and doing doing it. Mm. And then um, so she was apparently got burnt, burning it at both ends. She was knackered. And then the contact lenses that the girls had to wear, like were absolutely agonizing for their eyes. Yeah. And uh, they, they had to put them in like 10 minutes before so they could basically their eyes would water and then they could basically um stop their eyes from being red and then they could like film you know shoot the scene so there's a lot of times in it where the you can actually when i heard that and i've watched it they do blink quite a lot yeah and you're like that's because their eyes are probably burning you know um which you kind of it's just mad isn't it like obviously now it wouldn't be an issue i guess it's just back in the day like trying to get those special effects and get those sort of things done it was like well the only thing we can do really is put these like big plastic I mean, um lens changes whatever you want to call them in yeah i, I couldn't do that <laughs> no <laughs> you no. can offer me my dream role but be like but you got away these contacts but like, fuck it nope no i can't do it <laughs> sorry john i'm out <laughs> i can't do that i can't do the sequel no that's it <laughs> <laughs> I'm either this colour eyes or you fix them in CGI because yeah. <laughs> if they can erase Henry Cavill's moustache and nobody notices, you can do my eyes. <laughs> yeah, you can do my eyes. Just colour them in a little bit, it'll be alright. Because nobody noticed Henry Cavill's moustache in Justice League, did they? No, I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, like I say, with the performance, I always read it as it was a deliberate thing based on you know the tone of the film. Yeah, I thought she played it like that. Fifties sort of damsel in distress, but not quite. I think it sells the character short a little to put her as a damsel in distress because she's quite feisty. Yeah, at times. And I thought it played nicely with the stupid John Wayne that Kurt Russell was doing. Yeah, I always sometimes with her acting in it the way that she kind of responds to him because it doesn't sound because it sounds kind of like almost sarky um i always in some areas i always think that she's kind of taking the piss out of jack yeah which always makes me laugh kind of thing but i think american audience old audience probably wouldn't get that because they, yeah, they don't they don't do sarcasm that well do they they don't do sarcasm they don't do subtlety <laughs> no no Oh yeah, watch any sitcom and have to have them clapping so they know what's funny, don't they? <laughs> Idiots. 
it was my three American listeners. <laughs> oh, apologies. I mean nothing by it. Uh, <laughs> no, I. The tone of this film it has got a wonderful blend of different elements to it that sort of makes it feel sort of oddly dated and weirdly timeless at the same time. And yeah. I love it for that. It's like this feels so 80s, but at the same time, it also feels so 70s and also so I, 90s. Yeah, and... I, I just don't think it's ever. I don't think it's ever really, in my eyes, going to date, apart from maybe like the language and, you know, how, like you say, that maybe there could be some bits in it that are kind of seen as um, probably politically incorrect these days. But it's a bit like a lot of um, films like that, because I think the special effects are kind of like the old Star Wars, isn't it? Like the original before it was all kind of bloody digitalized um when everything's kind of like animatronics and the special effects are a little bit kind of rough and ready you you kind of let go and you enjoy it for what it is i think yeah it's like ghostbusters i can't imagine that getting old in my eyes even though now i'm like oh these graphics are horrific (laughs) they're 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 so bad they're good I said it you was know. the same guy who did Ghostbusters and Master of the Universe. Yes. The bit when um, Egg and Lopan are doing the magic fight and it goes to the silhouettes when fighting. I was like, that's just yeah. like Master of the Universe when it's He-Man and Skeletor in silhouette. Except this looks fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah and I yeah. do like that Lopan's doing something with his thumbs that looks a little bit like he's playing a game. Yes. I was looking at Egg Chen when, when they're having that kind of that fight. I was hoping that Egg Chen was doing the same thing, but he wasn't. So. Yeah, no, I was, but it was just this really cool little. I was like, oh, it's like he's played a little Nintendo. Yeah. Speaking of which, that um, they used uh, a lot of the um, the three spirits or the three kind of guys that you're in Mortal Kombat, aren't they? Or they they were the inspiration for inspiration for whichever one's name starts with an R. I can't remember. I'm not a big Mortal Kombat guy. No, I'm not. No. It was always Street Fighter for me, and then yeah, I did. I played. I played it a lot, you know, back in the day, but not enough to remember. I didn't give a toss about the names. No. I just wanted to see someone's head get ripped off. You know, so, the, the only Mortal Kombat thing I cared about was the song from the film in the nineties. Yeah, that was a banger. <laughs> <laughs> Speaker, did you did you um, when you're looking stuff up? Did you look at the music video that John Carpenter did for um, this? Yeah, I watched it when the DVD came out oh, in the early God. 2000s. It's oh, so God. fucking 80s, it's brilliant. It's so bad. He's actually got a good weird? voice, though. It sounds like, when you hear it playing at the end of the film, it sounds like Kurt Russell singing. Yeah. Yeah, it and does. I, like, I don't remember Kurt Russell being on it, but it sounds like it. No, it's John Carpenter just sounds yeah. like Kurt Russell. That but video is fucking pure 80s magic. But it's him and his mates, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's him. Like it's the guy and... who played Michael Myers, yeah. uh, Nick Castle, and... Uh, Wallace, or is it D. Wallace, something like that? The guy who directed either Halloween two or three. That's it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I love the idea that it's Michael Myers on the fucking yeah. or whatever it is. My, <laughs> and my favourite bit is uh, one of John's get-ups. He's got those kind of like sunglasses that have got plastic bars across it. Yeah. Like slatted bars. If people, if you're if you're listening to this, if you get five minutes, hop onto uh, YouTube and just watch the. Uh, the music video for Big Trouble in Little China is fucking hilarious. It's so bad, it's good. <laughs> it's so bad, it's good. <laughs> yeah, like I say, it's just, if you want to encapsulate the 80s in one song and video, or 80s movie songs in one. Yeah. 
They're so old though, aren't they? It's it, ridiculous. It it's like a bunch of fifty-year-old men, like in an eighties music videos. It's like it's so juxtaposed in it. You just you're watching it like I don't really know what's going on here. Like it's, it's like <laughs> I always joke about Toto, the band yeah. Toto. There's, there's <laughs> never been another band that looks more like your dad and his mates from the pub decided yeah. to get together and form a band, and that's yeah. exactly what John Carpenter looks like. Yeah, it's yeah, like your exactly. dad, your uncle, and that bloke they went to school with came home one day and were like we're in a band. Yeah. I just love the fact he's a cardigan. He doesn't give a shit, does he? <laughs> I don't know where my card is. It's comfortable. Get off. Go away. I've got, I've got a pair of handmade moccasins from Kurt as well. Check those out. Oh, nice, John. I love the fact that it looks like he's editing the film in the video. <laughs> yeah, he probably was. They're on such a tight deadline. He's like, like, yeah, I'm going to have to do video. this. I'll go edit the fucking film, right? <laughs> yeah. You just you <laughs> hover around me and... We get the boys in the back on the keyboard and whatever and then I'll, every now and again I'll turn around and just pretend I'm playing the guitar and it's all good. Don't so worry about just, it. Just make me look cool. Yeah. <laughs> Give me those plastic glasses. Thank you. <laughs> it is a great score though. Again, it's very yeah. 80s but I do it like is. the score. It is. Apparently it's like everyone afterwards said it's one of his best that he'd, he'd kind of pulled together. So that's quite interesting. I just wish we all, it's hard isn't it? Because there could have been a sequel in that right at the end. Um, I'm going to call him Pete because obviously in the comics, we he gets named by um, Kurt Russell as Pete, but he's the kind of the big beast thing, the big ugly, smelly beast thing who's Lowe's Pan's kind of minion. Yeah, um, it reminds me it, of something else, and now I can't think what it was. A little what? bit of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 look to him, but there was something else. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. It's I, really annoying me now. Yeah. I think because um, he kind of pops up at the back. And what was interesting is that if you read. So there's a comic that basically came that came after it that was written with um, John Carpenter wrote it with Eric Powell. And uh, Brian Chirillo's on art, who did an amazing job, but only on the first three volumes. After that, they got some fucking monkey on on artwork for number four. It's bag of shit. The story's good, but the artwork's fucking crap. Um, and then number five, I think the artwork gets a bit better again, but we won't go into that because I just get depressed. <laughs> but the first three, stellar. And I'm pretty sure it kind of completes itself after three as well from memory. Um, but... What I found really interesting is when you get to the end of the film, I remember as a kid thinking, oh, shit, like, what's Jack going to do? You know, like, it's such a, it is a kind of a bit of a cliffhanger, isn't it? Because you're like, yeah. he's going to get decked, he's going to get eaten, like, is he going to call into, like, like what what's going to happen? And then obviously, I don't think the comic came out to like 2012 or 2014 or. No, I think it was later than that. I think it might yeah. be 2017, 2018. Yeah, so what we're waiting like 20 odd years to yeah. hear what the hell happened. Because it was around that time they started bringing old things back in comics. Mm, mm. So yeah, it must have been around. Yeah, yeah, boom, boom basically brought every single 80s franchise and yeah. what, milked the shit out of it. <laughs> and they but, did, because they did yeah. the Back to the Future one around the same time, didn't they? Is that any good? Have you read that? Again, I picked up the first couple of issues and sort of flipped uh, through them, but I never got around to actually reading them. Part of my problem with those things is it's like it's never going to be the film because the film isn't just the story. It's yeah, it's Michael J. Fox. It's Kurt Russell. There's a certain magic. Yeah, it's a bit like 
so I think going on a tangent again, reading the Superman seventy nine and or Superman seventy eight and the Batman seventy nine. Yeah, comics yeah. at the moment. But these yeah. are fine, but I just I can't picture Michael Keaton doing that. I, f- and I think I don't feel Christopher Reeve in this portrayal, and no, it's, I think he's lacking for that. I think the difference you've got there though is, and I don't know the writers on those books, but because uh, John Carpenter co-wrote these books with Eric Powell it's like exactly like the film yeah like they could they could take those three trades use it and make a a sequel of the movie and it'd be perfect when i say that i say that loosely because it'd have to be kurt russell back in the 80s that that was in it it'd be no good using anyone else now or him like 70 odd or whatever like if they'd done that maybe a year after yeah, if they'd done it a year after um, that film had been finished and out, it would have been amazing because you learn that um, because Kurt, because Jack Burton killed Lopan, um, the beast basically kind of then becomes a servant of, or Jack Burton becomes the beast's master, essentially. Uh... So that's what happens in the beginning of the book. And jack then kind of like starts having these kind of big monologue conversations with a with a beast that can't do anything and can't say anything and apparently stinks like shit (laughs) so it's just it's absolutely amazing and then they go off into i know i won't ruin it because if none's read it it's very clever what they do with it basically because they 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 don't go back to they, they don't go back to Chinatown or anything they go somewhere else but like other characters kind of pop in and pop up and it's just very clever how it all kind of uh, follows on it's see cool. it is bored it's personally for me I was just like like a kid in a candy shop I was like this is perfect like this is actually perfect they've carried it on the story's great because Chirilla's got it like kind of almost character like. He it it looks like Kurt Russell in the artwork. So it's not like they've gone, what would Jack Bowen look like? It's like we're drawing Kurt Russell in this. And yeah, you're like, perfect. Memory they've sort of extended his chin a bit, didn't they? And <laughs> Yeah, they gave him a big butt chin. It's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And yeah. like, you know, it's just it's great. Like definitely if you like this film, please, please go and I mean the they've just done a um special edition book or something where they collected the first three trays into one like special book thing which looks amazing i think it's like 326 pages or something um which is actually cheaper than buying the first trade so there we go i remember when trades were worthless now when they go out of print they seem to actually shoot up in value as well i don't know if it's just this weird speculator market we're in now but i'm pumped i was like i brought that that trade uh, a few years ago and now it's now people are trying to sell it on amazon for 65 quid i'm like bloody hell mugs yeah. absolutely yeah. who's gonna pay that it's ridiculous see my uh, concern with the comic was always that they'd sort of make jack the hero in a way that wasn't no natural. no no he um he kind of still blunders his way through things very much so he gets a little bit more competent but because he's got pete the this kind of beast yeah that's his kind of wang in a weird way so like he thinks pete's the sidekick but pete seems to kind of like 
do all the ass kicking and kind of <laughs> drags like every time Jack gets like knocked out or injured or anything, Pete basically picks him up and drags him out. <laughs> and then like Jack Burton's always like, Yeah, yeah, thanks, Pete. I had it though, didn't I? And then Pete kind of like hops up and down like a like a gorilla. So <laughs> it's good. So yeah, think, uh, yeah it is good. The comic is fucking brilliant. And they even did a a snake um and Jack Burton crossover, didn't they? They've done that. I remember seeing that. Yeah, I haven't read that one. No, I haven't. It, and Old Man Jack as well, which Tony told me he's like, You've gotta get you've gotta get it. It's brilliant. And I haven't got around to getting that yet. I'm sure that's about hundred quid for a trade or something stupid. Probably. Yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. Because like I say, I always sort of saw Jack as like an action hero, Inspector Clouseau. Yeah. He somehow gets results, but he bundles his way. Bundles I think way that's the it. importance of them having um, um, John Carpenter doing the writing because anyone else could have done their, well, what, what, who was Jack Burton to me? But I think because he so heavily steered that ship to start with, it meant that the other books kind of fell into place quite well. Yeah. Uh, it's just a real shame that like, I mean, I think I've got like six, maybe eight trades. I think I did. I bought all the trades. I got the whole collection of them. Um, but there's definitely there's number four was just an, such a skid mark artwork wise. But because the story was so good, um, I kind of read it and was like, well, the story is great, but this artwork was just horrific. It was just rushed, very rushed. Um, here I go again. Every time I talk about it, I always go to I just. Qingdai, the god of the east. Oh, him? This guy? No, not me, Mr. Burton. My demon, the god I must appease in order to regain my heart, my blood. To a girl with green eyes, to satisfy Ching Dai. A girl brave enough to embrace the naked blade. And when I find her, I will marry her. Never! And Ching Dai will be happy and my curse will be lifted. You can go off and rule the universe from beyond the grave. Indeed! Or check into a psycho war, whichever comes first, huh? Jack, will you... Jack, what? I'm supposed to buy this shit? 2,000 years and he can't find one broad to fit the bill? Come on, Dave, you must be doing something seriously wrong. There have been others, to be sure. There are always others, are there not? You seem to be one who know the difficulties between men and women, how seldom it works out. Yet, we all keep trying like fools. <laughs> <laughs> all right as we sort of touched on it and we're sort of at that point sort of with regard to sequel what would you have wanted to see in a sequel i mean obviously it's difficult now because you've read the comics but which is which is the sequel in my eyes is the yeah. best sequel ever um what would i like to have seen sort of taking the comics aside where would where's where would i have done it did you do you think it would have gone um i really liked um I really wanted to see what obviously what would happen with Jack and the the kind of beast in the back. Um, I quite liked. I mean, it's kind of hard because you had all the people he left behind, and he didn't um, kiss what's her face, Kim Cattrall, and you think when he left, did he just kind of? No, I out. love that. I again, that's one of the things I always forget is that they don't have that thing where they ride off in the sunset together. No, he has the chance to, but he chooses yeah. not to. And he says something along the lines of like, oh, eventually I'll rub everyone up the wrong way. And, you know, we don't <laughs> need that. Much, I'd only fuck it up anyway. So. Yeah. But let's just let's just leave it where we are. Nice, you know, and just kind of walks off. 
which again feels um, a little bit like they were setting it up for a sort of Jack Burton franchise, kind of like James yeah. Bond, where they have a different girl each film. Yeah. Except you know, yeah. unlike the Bond films, they were giving you closure on this one. Yeah, I think it would have been fun to see him tackle something that wasn't uh, had any Chinese mythicism or anything to it. So maybe like just you know maybe he goes to Mexico. Um, yeah, and kind of deals with stuff or yeah like always i feel like it should always it would always would have been like um kind of indiana jones style kind of uh archaeological kind of things but yeah like inca or something something big like that where he's being given a, a truck he's, he's got to like take a haulage down to in mexico somewhere and then he um uh yeah something's in the back and gets involved in a load of shit down there i think that'd be quite funny yeah i can imagine in mexico as well it'd be quite funny like going to like you know um some of the uh explicit shows down there or you know <laughs> him going into a bar full of kind of mexicans and having a drink with them sort of thing and no one speaking english would be brilliant that's it or something with mexican wrestling yes yeah that'd luchadors cool. yeah that'd, yeah that'd be, that would be very cool yeah some cool mysticism around that yeah it's a, it's so i mean are the comics still going or did they sort of wrap them up uh i'm not 100 percent sure i don't know when i think they might still be doing old man old man jack i think i'm not 100 percent on that if i'm honest because i basically i mean i got to the point where i'd read big trouble and i was like wicked done that that was good and then i saw the one with uh, Snake and Old Man Jack, and I was like, oh, do I want to start another load? Yeah. And for me, but I have to the kind of. That you're going to find the thing that. Yeah. Sell is it a bit? Not that I'm not down with this, you know. Oh, it ruined my childhood. It's like fuck yeah. off. It didn't. Yeah. But it's always that thing of like ending on a high. I'm just being like, no, I'm I'm glad I'm happy where that ended. It's like I'd like more, but do I really want to? Well, I got quite the the interesting thing is I really loved um Escape from New York. I thought yeah. it was awesome. Really, really cool. And I didn't watch that till I was in my mid to late twenties because my boss at work had it on D V D and lent it to me. And I think what is funny actually because the weird thing is that we've all gone through uh, you know, eighties kids or whatever it's only recently that you can now get everything bloody streamed right yeah and I've, i i find that every time i think about that i find that bizarre now you know that it's like um even like five or six years ago if you wanted to watch a specific film you had to go and bloody find it dig yeah. it out and buy it or rent it or someone would lend it so escape from new york um i just never had could get hold of the thing and then my boss lent it to me he lent me that and seven samurai which was, I was, it was an amazing weekend, had a great weekend watching those. Um, and then I bought Escape from LA from Blockbusters when it was shutting down. Yeah. And watched that and was like, what the fuck is this? You know, it just, yeah, it's I've only so seen bad. That once. I've, Not good. There, I mean, there is it's a all, school of thought of people that actually say it's a really good film if you can get past the iffy CGI. But I was just like, really? It's it's all. I mean. So I kind of feel like I do need to give it another viewing. Yeah, I think. Because the problem uh, I had as well was I watched it pretty much straight after Escape from New York for the first yeah, time. 
yeah same similar yeah I would have watched it like within a few months of each other and I, I felt like it was like kind of a bit too over the top um and I guess sorry just going back to that so I think when I saw Jack and Snake I was like oh, I don't need another like <laughs> I don't need another like kind of dig at Snake yeah. I've had I, I've, I've forgotten about LA now I don't have to what I've watched New York several times since and still love it um and I just felt a bit like oh please don't screw it I don't want to read this comic if it's going to be bad do you know what I mean like yeah I can't imagine Sna- maybe it would be hilarious because Snake is so straight and serious and Jack Burton's a, a goof right so maybe it is funny or good I don't I don't really know what I'm hesitant yeah Stuart. I'm very because <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that sort of it was um big trouble and escape from new york and john carpenter's the thing with the three cut russell ones that they were all trying to get remade at the same time mm. which mm. obviously the thing happened and then became a prequel oh, that was awful again it yeah, it was it was pointless. It was fine, but it was like really. Yeah, yeah. I think to be honest, it just it's one of those I, films. If the thing didn't exist and the thing from another world didn't exist, it'd be yeah. perfectly fine. Nothing yeah. groundbreaking. It'd be on no. Sci-Fi Channel, and you'd be like, yeah, that was fine. That's right. Yeah. But um, because of what it is, and it just there was a practicality to the thing. John Carpenter's yeah. the thing that I think was part of the magic of the film, and again, the Kurt Russell factor. Yeah, I mean. Um, I can't. It was when I saw the the guy trying to be McCready, and I was just like, "Are you sick?" Like, I I saw um a a meme the other day, and there's a Hollywood producer or whoever puts films into kind of right. Yeah, we're gonna. This is a film we're gonna choose to to do an executive, and there's like these crowds of all these people round with these kind of like scrolls in their hand, and the caption read. Um, millions of fresh new movie ideas from unknown uh, authors and creators underneath with a speech bubble the, the studio exec was like hmm not much going on maybe a time <laughs> for a remake <laughs> and it's so true it's like just fucking just surely someone can write a, a, a new film yeah like we don't need to remake point break we don't well, need to make a shit one. Yeah. There's like, plenty of films out there that you're like, the idea was good, but it was really poorly executed. Yeah. Remake yeah. that fucker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is, is that you've got, I I adore the original, The Thing from Another World as well, the black and white 50s one. I've never seen it, if it, I'm honest. It just yeah. fits nice. It's very different. Yeah. The, the Thing is very much a big Hulk in Frankenstein's monster kind of creature yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's basically a, a fest, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, fits nicely and i've got a real soft spot for 50s sci-fi i love all that shit i love the special effects just the ideas that were up on screen kind of thing um I but yeah, and yeah then what john carpenter did was took did something completely different with it yeah and that's how a remake works because i mean he's a massive fan of the original thing from another world as well yeah it's what they're watching on telly in halloween when michael oh, is off doing his killing huh i didn't know that um but yeah so that had that respect and then the thing remake that i don't know at what point they like bottled it and decided it was going to be a prequel instead because i no matter what they say i don't think that was the plan all along no way no way 
because for one they cast um joel edgerton and very much made him look like the mccready character yeah and um so i sort of lost a little respect for it with that it's like at least have the balls to stick to what you were going to do yeah it's like go you all in don't bottle it part way through the, the problem is as well is like it's like, trying to like remake a john carpenter film and yeah. like everyone's always like when they when you hear people talk about it people's people's kind of opinion attitudes are there's something about big trouble in little china i don't know what it is but it's something about it's just magical everything i've all the research i've done for this and everything i've watched and you know even like you talk about the thing and escape new york and um his various other films that he's done as well it's he's just got he some people have just got a, a a magic they put into a film you yeah. know i mean I, i'm a massive uh, spielberg fan and like you know from jaws to et to indiana jones all those sort of films there's just certain things that directors can do where you're like you can't it's not easy just to take that and go oh we'll just remake it because people love it and it's like yeah you love it because that it's got that person's hand in it isn't it That's it's it. got it's their all ideas those elements, isn't it? yeah not yeah it's a bit like that with comics isn't it you know the amount of times when people um change the artist or something or they change the writer but keep the artist not it's just the same it's still got it looks the same it's like but it doesn't sound the same yeah or the character wouldn't do that or or the art changes you know like, it doesn't look right like it no, just doesn't I mean I'm, I'm a big dc kid but that was always the problem with a lot of quite a few of the jla books in the 90s mm. it's like these I mean, they look. It looks like Superman, but it doesn't sound like Superman. Certainly yeah. not the Superman from the books I'm reading at the time. And you know, it looks yeah. like Batman, but it doesn't sound like Batman. Kind yeah. Of thing. People just and don't it, get it, do they? Sometimes. It's it's very much that. I mean, it, it's telling that Escape from New York and Big Trouble are the two that mm. so far they've really failed to remake. Because obviously they did Assault on Precinct 13, which was fine, like, perfectly enjoyable piece of shit, but it's. <laughs> Yeah. The original was also fine. So. Do you know what was good? Is I watched the new one before I watched the old one, which was good. Because I think meant, I'd, yeah. Because I think I've watched the, the new one's one with Ethan Hawke, isn't it? Yeah, which for me, it had Ethan Hawke and it had Lawrence Fishburne in it. Yeah. So it was already onto a winner for me. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. But then when I watched the original a long time later, I was like, oh, this is way better. Yeah. But I think... Do you think sometimes films have been written or made because it's of a time of an era and there's stuff going on and it's just, uh, you know, you can kind of, it just fits in terms of culture around that time. It just seems to work. So when you try and remake something that's of an 80s or 70s culture in, you know, 40, 50 years later, whatever, that, it doesn't seem to work it's because it's because the it's, world it's isn't like lights anymore the, it's like they take the sharp edges off as well yeah Pretty much that assault on precinct 13 remake as much as i enjoy it it is like you know and can we remake this film but kind of you know softer and a little bit more accessible yeah it's like well, i mean oh. kind of the thing with assault on precinct 13 was it is fucking brutal at times yeah 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 but it's um i think we're going to have to touch on this now, so brace yourself. This one seemed to get Big Trouble in Little China seemed to get the closest to being remade, and then they backtracked and mm. said it'd be a sequel. But um, mm. with the Rock's involvement, 
that seemed to push yeah. it forward. Obviously, there were different people attached to a remake of um, Escape from New York, mm. Gerard Butler, that sort of thing. And then you kind of like lockdown with Guy Pierce came out, and you're like, that's basically your remake, and it's perfectly yeah. fine. So yeah, yeah, you don't need to touch that. No, who no. knew Guy Pierce would be a decent Snake Plissken? But you know, he was in everything but name and eye patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, I had this, this, this some... rock one. I like The Rock. I like The Rock a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, it's like I watched Rampage. Yeah, like, Rampage was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, he hit The Rock hit a groove. He did. You know, he was in like back in the day. Did um, was it uh, what's the one with John Travolta in it? Get um, get smart or get cool or it was the yeah, be cool. Be cool. The sequel to Get Shorty. Yes, because I remember that he was in that. And he was still wrestling at the time. And I was thinking, what the fuck is he doing? I just didn't get it. And then he kind of did loads of films. He did tons of films, didn't he? Like, yeah. I've watched so many. And I've watched a lot of rock films. If he's in it, I'll watch it. And some of them are so bad. But they're so bad, they're so good. And over time, you start to realise that he's not taking himself seriously. And then you start to love him as a, an actor. Yeah, like, I mean, again, he's got that natural charisma hasn't he that yeah a lot of wrestling you know no offense yeah but i mean i watched jungle cruise on disney i watched jungle cruise i really liked it yeah and i was like i mean it's basically the mummy again yeah the 1999 one, yeah but. but i was like if the rock wasn't in it he kind of holds it together because he's the same as he's the same characters as, as he is in jumanji yeah which he plays so well because obviously one of them is a girl isn't he and the other one yeah. he's um the nerdy kid and i think he's so good but then when i heard about him wanting to be jack burton i was like no it's completely no. wrong for jack burton it's not yeah. who jack burton is no no because because he's physically able and because we know him as like this all-out action star the point of jack burton is that he's a buffoon and he can't he may be like you know athletic or whatever but he's clumsy and he's you know I, I just think it's bad it's a bad idea that, and i think they should i i can't see that i guess the thing is is that all of us nerds will go and watch it just to see how bad it is that's yeah. where they'll get their money from you know <laughs> it's it's star wars thing isn't it it's like, yeah you know, shit, money. nobody likes it it's like yeah it's because everybody went to watch it because it had star wars slapped on it yeah exactly yeah. kind of thing i mean it's i don't know who you'd cast jack burton but it's not the rock i mean if anything you want like a, and i'm not endorsing this other casting but like you need kevin like, hart or somebody like that who's not oh, right, what you'd yeah. expect as a jack burton kind of i was thing. gonna say you someone like ryan, Re- ryan reynolds would be a good jack burton yeah i think the problem with ryan reynolds is that it, it's very much the ryan reynolds shtick now isn't it it's, yeah yeah, he's he's just, he's Deadpool in every single film now. And again, I love Ryan Reynolds. I love what Ryan Reynolds yeah. does. I'm perfectly fine with it, and I'll happily yeah. watch it. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You sort of want your you want your guy that you could believe as an action hero, but not sort of like you say. Yeah. The Rock comes into a room you're like, well, he can handle this situation. It's my thing with I said Mark before, Wahlberg. Could he be Jack yeah. Burton? He's quite weirdly serious fun isn't he mark Wahlberg. yeah like well, i could like see if you go younger tom holland kind of 
Yeah. That weird yeah. awkwardness. Yeah. But I kind of think the only way you could do it now is as a legacy movie, like your Ghostbusters Afterlife. You that was clever. Movie. They should have done that before when, the, you know, with the girls. I was really I, excited to see females playing in uh, uh, Ghostbusters. I and was. I was so upset when I saw it and I was like, oh man, they've really screwed this up. Not not the actresses, the people that did the script in the film. It was like, you've just tried to, you've kind of done the, you've kind of taken the 80s films and then kind of injected it with steroids. Yeah. Thinking that that's going to be enough and there's no real script here. There's no, they <laughs> really know what's going on. Very badly because they wanted it to be like, well, we didn't want it to be that they were picking up the agency of men. We wanted it off their own agency as women. They did this. And I was like, that's yeah. cool. But I guarantee yeah. that film would have been so much better accepted if A, it had been a legacy movie. It had been yeah. Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson passing over the torch kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And or B, was their if daughters they'd not or let a mad lip so fucking much. Yeah. Because that was yeah. the big problem with that is it's like this script makes no sense because one minute the characters like this and all of a sudden they're like this. Yeah, yeah. So you need ad libbing's fine, but you also need a tight structure for something like that. Usually um, they do ad libs like the best ad libs are when the people are in a situation like in a car or something's happening and they can kind of you know ad lib a little bit, not like huge lumps of script. Well, no, one of the greatest ad libs in cinema history is the. Um, when Harry Met Sally Diner scene. No way. Is that, Meg is that Ryan came, Yeah, Meg Ryan came up with the thing because it was supposed to be her talking about it. And she was like, well, why don't I just act it? And then at the end, Billy Crystal went, no, somebody should say, I'll have what she's having. And it's like, that's arguably the most iconic scene in rom-com yeah. history, at least. Oh, my God. Yeah, the orgasm scene. And yeah. Yeah. From what I saw, what I read some, again, I can't cite the source, but because I read so much shit about films. Um, but yeah, that was those two came up with that, just sort of batting it around on the day or in oh, rehearsal. I can imagine that. Billy Chris was genius at those sort of things, isn't he? That's it. But that's the kind of ad libs you want that you've yeah. actually played out and structured rather yeah. than. And you understood the character, you know. You end up with a two hour mess. Yeah. Um, and I, I get that there are people that like that Ghostbusters film, and that's fine, more power to them. Yeah. I just, you know. I don't dislike, I don't hate it. I just, no, I don't. I, I think I, I was. I'm not I think one of those was, ones that was instantly on, like, you know, oh, women ain't funny, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I think I was just a bit more upset because I was like, oh. It just I, felt disrespectful to what had come before, I think. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, Afterlife, I was very excited by because I thought, ah, this looks like, this looks intelligent. This looks yeah. like a really good move on from, from where we were, um, which is very cool. And I think, yeah, maybe if they did this it's the same as um when i did um when i watched uh point break i didn't mind point break film as a film but i did not like the fact that they were trying to be the dead presidents and then max up to 100 and the amount of times i said to my wife when we're watching it because she she loves it i just sit there and just grumble like an old bastard through things and uh, i was like they could have so easily just been inspired by the dead presidents over in um, California. Yeah. They could have done that so easy. He didn't need to be Bodie. It didn't need to happen. He could have just been um, uh, an adrenaline junkie who's robbing banks around the world 
and he's inspired by the way that Bodhi lived his life and as a kid and whatever and like that's what he was going to do that's it he like, could have been a dude that had been on the beach where they used to surf and yeah that was could, the connection that's the shit you need it's, yeah i mean i've never watched the point ray remake i can't bring myself to do it it just seems pointless it's it's, it's a good film in turn if you i watched it as an action film and i and i literally ignored any kind of link to it being you know yeah. point break which it does pretty well to be honest like there are bits in it where you wouldn't if you if you if it had started and you sat down you're like fuck that's a massive like motorbike action scene and there's loads of explosions going off and you watched it you probably wouldn't even pick it up till near the end that you were like oh hang on is this the point break remake like yeah i think my problem with it is that it only exists as a way to cash in on fast and furious yeah because it yeah. was basically them going fast and furious is basically point break with cars what have we yeah. got that we can well we've actually got point break it's like all right well why don't we just kick that shit off again yeah, but again just... instead of doing a legacy sequel yeah yeah like i say yeah. i just it's, I mean, it's funny not, isn't it not that those always work either i think i just find it I sh- my brain struggles i'm and I, i'm sure and i think everyone that's probably listening to this is is probably the same mind when you watch these things you're like is there nobody in the studio that is thinking what we're thinking? Like, just tweak it ever so slightly and it'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. We wouldn't deal with all the backlash. But I just feel like they probably don't even give a shit, do they? They, just... they probably want the backlash for the headlines. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, get the PR. Figuring that that'll uh, yeah. boost ticket sales because people will then go and watch it to be like, let's see how shit this fucking is. Let's see, yeah, let's sit there. I'm going to go on Google and rate it. <laughs> It's probably I don't know how streaming works, but it's probably a film that made a decent chunk of money from people just watching it on streaming because they're like, well, yeah. I ain't fucking paying for it, so yeah, <laughs> I'll watch it on that. But, I'll watch it, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah I mean, sort of bringing it back to Big Trouble, you'd have to Sorry. have Kurt Russell as Old Man Jack for want of a better. Well, there's discussion that he's someone wanted to. They asked his son Wyatt if uh, he wanted to play Jack Burton, and apparently he said no. Which... no disrespect to his son but the couple of things i've seen him in he lacks that charisma no he doesn't no not yeah definitely he's he's way more kind of like deadpan yeah he's, he's not more, he's not, not kurt serious. russell charisma no like i say no disrespect to him at all no but i'm sure possibly away from the roles i've seen him in because i've not seen everything he's been in i mean the main thing that sticks yeah. in my mind recently is falcon and the winter soldier yeah i haven't and, seen um, that yet i'm I, I tread very carefully on my Marvel watches on uh, Disney Plus at the moment. I watched Hawkeye, which I thought was incredible. I don't yep. know everyone's going to shout me about that, but I thought it was very good. Yep, I'm with you. Um, really enjoyed that. I thought it was brilliant. It was my genuine surprise because it was the one yeah. that I, I like Hawkeye, but do I want six hours do of Hawkeye? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought it was very good. Very well filmed. Loved the action. And I was like, finally, we get to see Trick Arrows doing something. Whereas in all the films, they don't. you don't really get to... They don't really touch on the trick arrows that well, much. Well, no, the films is very much, you know, and there's Hawkeye. Yeah. But never mind that. <laughs> the best bit in Hawkeye, sorry to dive off subject, but no, when, he has to, when he has to watch the uh, the musical of his kids. Yeah. He turns his hero and Oh, it's so good. It's so That reminded good. me very much of, did you ever used to watch Batman Beyond? Batman Beyond. The animated series that yes. came after. When, yeah. um terry takes bruce to see the batman musical <laughs> and bruce just looks at him he's like you hate me don't you <laughs> oh, 
I just said yeah, it's, it's good but um yeah I think you're right in yeah maybe why and uh, and I think he realizes it as well I think he's he can tell the last thing I want to do is try and do something my dad did because it's going to completely destroy my career yeah big time it would wouldn't it like you don't want to be in the shadow of your dad yeah you you want to be like it's the same as um clint eastwood's son who's amazing who looks like clint eastwood doesn't he what's his name yeah i can't remember scott Scott. he and he's a brilliant actor i've seen him in a few films i think he's great but you want you wouldn't want him to do like unforgiven or anything like a remake of that because it'd just be like you're being your dad like no, if anything, you want to steer as far away from that as possible. Yeah, yeah, massively, massively. Uh, what about Chris Hemsworth? Could he be a... Yeah, again, if he bulked down a little. Yeah, he could be thing, a jack. bulking down? <laughs> yeah, he could be a Jack Burton, maybe. Uh, or Hugh Jackman, maybe? No. Yeah, possibly too. Maybe even, like, a lesser Hemsworth, a Liam Hemsworth. Oh, Liam's fine. Liam, yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah. It's a, a stunt it could be the comeback vehicle for somebody like Josh Hartnett. Somebody who hasn't <laughs> seen for a while who needs that big comeback. Yeah, do you know what? That's not, yeah, maybe not Josh Hartnett, but yeah, it'd be good to see someone that hasn't been around for Corey Haim. Let's bring him back. Stick him in. What's Joseph Gordon Lovett been up to? <laughs> oh, oh, God. Or you go the other way and it's Jack Burton's daughter. Yeah. Yeah, we could do that, I guess. I mean, given I mean, that, you know, they, they pushed it by, you know, doing a stealth Asian-American. Do you know what, Stuart? That's not a bad shout. Like, if Jack was dead. See, I don't know if I want him to kill Jack. This is no, my but, other problem with legacy but, sequels, isn't they're like, you know, that character you loved? Yeah, we killed him. <laughs> but I mean, you know, what's he now? He's 70 now, isn't he? So, you know, it's not too far-fetched to be like, they could push it maybe another five or six years, ten years in the future. And Jack Burton would be old enough that he could have died of old age or whatever. Or you could have you could Jack still Burton be in it. Because you've got the whole mystic thing, haven't you? Yeah. You could have Jack Burton in it as as himself, couldn't you? And then yeah. like have his an offspring or he has to get hold of something in it, maybe. Yeah. But then all of this that we're talking about now is why it's a bad idea because you've it's forcing something you're like if it, if it wasn't a nat if it's not a natural it's it's a very fine line to walk because yeah for one you've got 40 years of what you do as a sequel in your mind plus now you've got the comics as well which yeah either did, did what job. you'd hope for yeah a sequel would be so you can see that as your sequel mm. or they didn't and you can just wipe it off as well it's just the comics yeah that's the beauty of comic sequels is it can either be canon in your head or it can just be like no <laughs> yeah yeah we'll pretend that never happened no and the good thing is with the comics is because you've seen the film and you know the film inside you know if you watch, yeah it's one of those comics you would have watched the film a lot before you would have picked up the book i don't think you'd pick up randomly um when you're reading it you're hearing kurt russell's voice you're hearing yeah. lopan's voice you're well yeah especially if it's written by john carpenter yeah exactly it's all it's like it, it's really easy to kind of get swept along with it all so yeah sequel wise i, really I mean i don't think it needs a sequel i mean no. i've gone this long without a sequel 
it's nice to know the comments are out there if I do want to dip into that world. This is yeah. the other thing is I kind of miss the days where people are like, no, it's a one and done. There's no shame in not wanting a sequel. No. You sort of, I don't know, growing up when we did, you would, if you got a sequel, it generally underperformed, so you never got a third one. Yeah. So sometimes it was better to just be like, we shan't bother with the sequel. I mean... It's like, do we really need FX2 yeah. the Art of Illusion? It's like, no, yeah. we probably don't. No. <laughs> I think it's it's a bit like Leave a Weapon, isn't it? Leave a Weapon is one of those films where I loved the sequels. Yeah. I like the I loved the first one. That was awesome, but... I can watch. I watch all the Lethal Weapon. The same as Die Hard. Two. It, Lethal Weapon Two is probably the one I've seen the most. Yeah. Just because it always seemed to be the one that was on telly, and it was yeah. the one we ended up taping off the telly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Die Hard is like Die Hard One, Two, Three, Four Point Oh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Die Harder. You know, they just he just like banged out another four, didn't he? Like oh, in the last. Yeah, I, I stop at three. Years. I must admit. <laughs> oh, not me. I went. I've gone the whole hog. I watch them all the time. See, uh, I can't I can't do five. Four I've got at least some sort of tolerance for. At least once yeah. it came out on DVD and they put the swearing back in. Yeah, yeah. Because the worst thing was seeing that in the cinema where they cut it out so it's yippee ki mother and then the bullet fires. <sighs> like, no, no, this is what I've come to see. Oh, God. That would be like going to that. watch... I never character. saw it in the cinema, so... That would be like going to watch Bill and, a new Bill and Ted movie and they don't say be excellent to each other. Like, yes, I haven't seen. There is a new one. I haven't seen that. Yeah, face the music. It's it's all right. I think I don't know. I love it when I, people I say like, it's all right. It's like I liked it, but again, I just watched Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey in the run up to it because I didn't see it at the cinema because obviously yeah. it was height of COVID and I had no interest in going out to the cinema. No. Um. So I waited and bought the box set of the three together when they came out on Blu-ray. So I watched one each day. Um, was watching them with my eldest, but he lost interest halfway through Bogus Journey and never finished the. Bogus Journey's a tough watch. See, I always remember Bogus Journey, but the last time I watched it, I was like, "This isn't as good as I remember it being." There's bits in it that I love. Yeah, I think that's it. It's a string of good bits, and then there's a, a few bits in it that, that aren't that great. Yeah, you know. Sort of watch it now and kind of like, I see why we didn't get a third one at the time. Yeah. Whereas I think, because Excellent Adventure, you've got uh, all the um, people throughout time, haven't you? Yeah. Which is what makes it funny because you've got like little Napoleon and um, oh, who's, um, and uh, the Mongolian, Khan. Genghis Khan, yeah. thank you. Like, this uh, is hilarious. Bar. Yeah. Yeah. The, the biggest problem a third Bill and Ted film always had was the lack of George Carlin, which they kind of handle nicely, but at the same time, you're still feeling that George Carlin-shaped hole with no Rufus being in it. Yeah, yeah. And they don't have Station in it either. Oh, fuck it. I know he's only in Bogus Journey, but... Yeah, still Any time somebody uses the word Station around me, I would still come back with Station. <laughs> sort of final thoughts then. I think we've sort of touched on sequels and given yeah. them some ideas that they should never use. Yeah. <laughs> do the comic or just don't do the comics yeah. i suppose you could de-age kurt russell these days they did it for that guy in the oh, galaxy too fucking hell why would you even bother <laughs> can you imagine it'll take it'll take forever he looks like a bag of shit at the moment I saw it'd be like the, the irish day. one have yeah. you seen oh, the irish God. one yeah like, i've seen that yeah this is this is amazing but at the same time they look it's like 30 year old men but they're moving like guys in their 80s <laughs> yeah it's really weird isn't it it's not the most bizarre thing i've ever seen it's like you should have got 
like all approximations like, of body doubles and stuck their heads yeah. on that instead of de them. Yeah, they, they look like they've got those bloody Instagram uh, <laughs> things. The, the filters on, yeah. The filters, those fucking things that those kids, you know, you see as people and they put little face softeners and stuff in it and the big puppy eyes, it's like, fucking hell, get a life. <laughs> Just De Niro turns the camera's like, follow me on the Instas, yeah? I, I think, to be fair, actually, the only Instagram filter thing I've ever seen that I thought was awesome was when Vince did that weird... Yeah. That weird one with the big glasses and the little squeaky really? voice then he'd do a little monologue to camera yeah that's so good that's so 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 good he hasn't done them for a while he should do one he should he should do a full-on D D one yeah well, let's go we'll go to the slack group and have a little um we'll have a word yeah we'll have it we'll raise it <laughs> <laughs> so sort of final thoughts then on big trouble in the ocean obviously a fan and i'm guessing you'd recommend people check it out yeah um it's sort of a weird sell to try and convince somebody to watch that's never seen it. It's like it's from the mid eighties. Yeah. <laughs> I would... It looks like it's done on a set. It's got eighties special effects. Yeah, I. It's kind of hokey. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably the way I'd probably say it to someone is that it's the one of the best films ever made. That's it. I, I don't yeah. be able to go into it. It's just genius. I think um, if you like Die Hard, if you like Lethal Weapon. If you like weird science, Ghostbusters, any of those kind of 80s kind of films, if you if you like that and you haven't seen this, I hate you because you've got an amazing journey ahead of you. Yeah. Plus then when cons kick off again, you can come talk to us all. Yeah, we'll like you again. That's it. You can start throwing quotes at us. Yeah, definitely. Like we really shook the pillars of heaven or something like that oh that's it yeah that's the the, the ending quote isn't it he says yeah. to Lang as he goes out the door which is that's almost an emotional moment that's almost a fucking yeah <laughs> we're not getting a sequel <laughs> you're never going to see him again jack it's because it's nice and misty behind him as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's almost like the love story yeah, I know you've got the Gracie thing, but there's also that weird love story between him and Wang. Oh, him and Wang. They've been great eroticism of it. Yeah, yeah. It's the but, It is kind of like that moment in like a tragic romance thing where the, the hero gets left by his love. Oh. Oh. He had to watch his best mate find his love of his life and walk down the aisle saying <laughs> that they'd never be together. Gosh, there's gonna be some fucking a lot of emotion. Pink face guy somewhere going. Don't listen to that podcast. They just gayed up fucking <laughs> from a little China. <laughs> you and could get up any eighties film though, couldn't you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's easily done. Maybe not yeah. Top Gun. Oh my god, do you know what? My head was literally saying, "Don't say Top Gun. Don't say Top Gun. Don't say Top Gun." <laughs> what's, what's getting Top Gun? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so annoyed that they pushed next Mission Impossible film back which I was really looking forward to this year but we're still getting Tom and Maverick which I could not give a shit about no, no I don't, again why are we having this I know uh, Top Gun's one of those films that it's like you love it as a kid because yeah. it's like yeah planes and shit but then you watch it Just and I don't, like, this film is wank and it introduced me to Kenny Loggins when I was about 12 which was the best thing in the world ever see you know you can come back love me some Loggins oh Mate, have you watched have you watched news. Final Space? No. Oh, dude. Right, 
if you get chance, which I know you probably will, and you assume you've got Netflix. Yeah. Watch Final Space. It's an animated space film, but basically in season two they're very quick to get through, oh no i but... did start watching that yeah it's the one where he's on his own in a space yes. station or something isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah in season two um he had there's this kind of like 80s parody um thing where he kills loads of robots by dancing to kenny loggins amazing because te- Ken- kenny loggins is his kind of like i think he's his spirit animal in it from memory but it's fucking brilliant. If you haven't watched it, you have to give it a little bit of... I think you've got to get, like... My friend Andrew watched the first couple and was like, mate, I don't see what you see in this. And then I made him sit down one night. We came around for pizza and beer. And we watched the whole first season. And he's like, oh, you've got to get to episode four before you really get into it. And then you start seeing all the kind of Star Wars nods and all that kind of stuff starts happening in it. And it's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think I watched the first two and then I either got distracted with troop stuff or it was the time when stuff kept dropping on Netflix. I was like, well, I want to watch yeah. that. been waiting yeah. for that for ages. I'll fucking watch yeah, that yeah, now yeah. before you... Or, you know, you've got three days left to watch this thing yeah. on your watch list. But... Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. But that's awesome. I've always got time for some Kenny Loggins stuff as well. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was the Brian Adams of the 80s. Yeah. Because it was 80s, it was like, you know you know with an original song by kenny loggins then the 90s it was an original song by brian adams for a bit then it all died off you didn't get the movie tie-in songs much anymore no, no. briefly take that in the 2000s to the 2010s and then that died off again he just he had like yeah he just had like a few banks he had that and he had footloose didn't he as well which he is another footloose, massive, massive yeah the, the oh, best Caddy thing about Shack's the sequel to caddy shack is the uh kenny loggins song that goes to it yeah um, love caddy shack I love Caddyshack. Caddyshack 2, not so much. but I don't think I've watched Caddyshack 2, actually. I've seen it once because I loved Caddyshack and I was like, I want more Caddyshack. And I was like, this yeah. is not Caddyshack. No. Um, and I've never been able to bring myself to go back to watch it to see whether it is as bad as I remember it being. <laughs> don't, don't go back. No, that's it. Never go back. No. Hello? Hello. Fuck it. Well, I'd like to end these with the Bernard Pivo questions that were made famous by Inside the Actor's Studio. So if you mm-hmm. don't mind answering 10 quickfire questions, yep. uh, we shall uh, wrap it up. So question one, what is your favourite word? What's my favourite word? Gosh, um, sumptuous. Nice. Uh, what is your least favourite word? No. Cool. That comes up a lot. That's... <laughs> oh, does it? I think it's... I hear it from my wife quite it, a lot. It drives it, me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's generally married people or creative people on here and yeah, in both yeah. contexts you don't want to hear the word so. no but, uh, what, turns one? <laughs> what, turn... <laughs> what turns creatively me? creatively, or... <laughs> creatively um, or however you choose to interpret well but i'd say creatively i'm a massive fan of um like good line work in drawings like if, if a drawing and if it's really flowing it's got a lot of energy in it like i get really kind of excited about it like um like daniel um daniel warren johnson like if i see something he's done or james Haran or someone like that that's just gone gone kind of that kind of manga western crossover with just literally like ultra mega in that where there's just so much energy in it i get so creatively excited about it by it 
that yeah. I just have to then be like, I need to go fucking draw in my comic now because I've I've seen to be like just have my bat- batteries charged up, ready to like get it down on the page. So yeah, I think good good line work is is the thing that really gets me kind of juiced. I, I can see that. I'm kind of like that with a Bruce Tim kind of nice clean line. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just marvel at it, you know. That's it. Uh, what turns you off? Um, what turns me off? Things that don't need to be there. So I, I, I absolutely hate anything when it has something in it that doesn't need to be there. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, it could be a cup that has a lid for some unknown fucking reason. Like, why has he got the lid? It doesn't need it. Or it could be um, a comic that has a whole section in it that I'm reading and thinking, why the fuck is this in it? And, and if I have one thing like that on anything, I can't let it go. <laughs> I, I, I just have to, I, I have to kind of like walk away from it. It's a really bad, it's a good trait. It's a bad trait. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the kind of thing now that exists just for people to go on YouTube to do Easter egg videos. Yeah, very much the back. I'm going to I'm going to fire shots and, you know, potentially yeah. bring down a wrath of people. But it's very yeah. much like anything in the background of a Zack Snyder movie. Yeah, just just it's like, you know, it's there just so people can go online. And like, oh, did you spot this? Yeah, it's like, oh, it's fuck like, let's let, let's make a top 10 watch mojo video. About yeah. It. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Pointless shit. I hate. Yeah, it is. It purely exists for the YouTube audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like those things that get hidden in the background of Disney films, which is oh. fun, but then they start making videos about it. And it's like, Speaking oh, just okay. quickly of things in the background, did you know that uh, Quentin Tarantino loved uh, the film so much that he put Jack Burton's um, vest in the scene with Jungle Julia where, in Death Proof? So when Kurt Russell's at I think the bar, I did know that. Yeah, yes. when the cat was at the bar and he looks round over his shoulder at uh, Jungle Julia and everyone in the corner, like, kind of dancing, acting stupid. Behind her head is Jack Burton's vest. That's awesome. That's very cool. I think I did, I've not seen Death Proof for years. No. I found all the posters I got from it the other day. My wife was like, do you want these? I was like, yes. They're, just because they're rolled up it does not mean they're not wanted. They're just being protected. <laughs> Moron. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that, actually, as the Grindhouse Blu-ray. Oh, nice. As it was originally intended to go out with the trailers in the middle. Yes, I've got that. Planet Terror. Yeah, yeah. They're, they, I kept those, I kept a few DVDs and those are ones I kept because I was like, I just need to keep them really. Yeah, it's not the kind of thing that's ever going to stream in that format. So No, no. And the best you could hopefully get is a cinema screening of it. But I think I've got Machete as well with like um, the kind of cuts and stuff in it as well. That had some weird adverts in it. Awesome. I must admit, I'm, I'm terrible for keeping hold of DVDs and that. I used to be like, if it pops up on Netflix, I'll get rid of the DVD. But now it's yeah. kind of like, nothing stays on Netflix anymore. No, I guarantee like, as soon as I want to watch Leave yeah. Your Own again, it won't be on any fucking streaming no, service. So I'll have I to rebuy like, the DVD. I think I had about 500, roughly five, five, 600 DVDs in the loft. And I had them up there because we moved house and they're up there for two years. I said to my wife, I was like, I haven't, they haven't come down for two years. We've got to get rid of them. Like, I just got to get rid of them. Yeah. I. It was a hard I, day. 
Uh, yeah. I, I, I've got thousands of the bastards, plus yeah. Blu-rays on top and still some videos. But I've, my di- to be fair, I transferred all my discs into wallets and I've got oh, a few yeah. cases with them in rather yeah. than, and then all the cases are in the loft. Yeah, that's what, exactly what I did. And then I put them all back the other day. Well, I say I, I sold them all last year. The funny thing was, is my wife had loads of DVDs as well that she'd bought. They were fuck all, you know, like 10p. Oh, yeah, I can't even sell them in charity shops no. anymore either because they're draining but, in the fuckers. <laughs> yeah, I had like, there must have been about 40 of my DVDs and they were worth between, some of them were, were worth 10 quid. I had a couple that were worth about 30, 40 quid, um, which is pretty cool. So I was like, my wife's like, why are these worth so much? I was like, because they're cold fucking classics. That's why. Yeah, they're the ones you want to keep hold of because they're not yeah. any streaming service. <laughs> no, no, they all gone there. Yeah. Most of those, unfortunately. So. Like I say, my problem with that is when I suddenly decide, or well, somebody talks about the film and I'm like, fuck, I haven't seen that for ages. I swear I own that. It's like, no, I fucking sold it. Sold I? it. Yeah, yeah. It's gone. How I'm going buy on eBay. It's like, fuck. quid. She <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can't be bothering with that. Right. Um, Right then. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Um, what sound or noise do I love? Um, oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying. I'm really trying to think. What? Um, I like. I love the sound of an electric guitar. Nice. Yeah. Singing. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? bees or like you know like wasps buzzing near my ear drives yeah. me, I, I can't stand it <laughs> fucks me i can't i can hear you know it like comes near yeah like that actually i tell you what i'll go one high, higher than that mosquitoes that fucking noise at night and you get into your bedroom you turn the light off and you hear <laughs> and you're like you can't where are you <laughs> you're in there aren't you shit and you, you're laying there and you're like I'm just going to go and put some boxes on. You know, I was like, wow, I was like, I do not want to get bitten on the, uh, you know, yeah. the old chap. <laughs> that's, that's probably out there. One of my biggest fears, I think, getting mosquito stung on the old, the old guy. Yeah, it was that. It might have been on Simon Mayo's Confessions, the guy who put his boxes on and there was a bee in it. <gasps> and he got stung there. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have nightmares tonight about that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the whole arachnophobia thing isn't it that film messed me up anything yeah. i can't see <laughs> yeah my wife is massive sp- doesn't does not like spiders um so i had arachnophobia and i rarely got to watch it because <laughs> and the thing is john candy's in that film and he's brilliant in it he's the best john goodman john goodman sorry not john candy right. yeah <laughs> So like poor, poor somebody's stroke straight on the thing. I think you'll find. Um, <laughs> yeah. One hour, <laughs> 39 minutes in. Yeah. Uh, all right, then. Uh, here's the big one. What's your favourite curse word? Fuck. Nice. All fucking day. I think everyone would know that. Anyone that knows me would easily. Um, as a thing at work, I kept getting pulled into HR for swearing. And I don't, I don't anymore because everyone just, it's just, it's like my thing. It's become, you know, like the kind of racist granddad. <laughs> I, I'm the kind of the sweary one. And um, my boss thinks it's brilliant. He said, because I can, whenever I use the word fuck, I can use it in so many different ways. 
but you know exactly my feelings towards what's going on which i think which is why that word is so versatile you know it's an amazing word i I won't say whether it's the current job i'm in or whether it was an older job but there was a thing where my boss was sort of i didn't realize he was there but one of the people i was working with was saying something and i just started looking through the drawers and she was like what are you doing i was like looking for the fucks i give (laughs) and my boss was there and he just pissed himself laughing (laughs) he made me a little sign to go on my drawer that's brilliant i love it i always kept an empty drawer then that had all the fucks i give in it (laughs) There isn't any. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was lucky. I could have been fired if it had been the other boss. There's always I'd, one, isn't there? It'd have probably been reprimanded. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there a few times. <laughs> Speaking of jobs, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I like the idea of owning a climbing gym or climbing wall. That's my kind of... Yeah, that's my that's my like I wouldn't say it's a life goal. It seems like a bit of a sad life goal, but um that's one thing I plan. I've planned a lot and there's like every few years I I kind of forge ideas of how could I get the money and how could I build it and where would I build it and what would it be like and I guess to be fair, if comic slash music slash video shops still made money it would definitely be that yeah all day long but we're talking like a job you could actually survive doing <laughs> well yeah i can't imagine much changes in the it's not like you've got to worry about your climbing wall coming in or no we used no. to one of my jobs after we finished we'd go to the bar in the climbing center in gloucester not to climb to play table football <laughs> used to be our after work ritual nice. on Monday. Nice. so make sure you get a football table in you'll get the non-climbers in at yeah least. well that's um, it like the places i go they'll be buying drink yeah the place i go have always got a bar and a coffee shop and you know they have like the big screen tvs where they've got like films and stuff going on so i quite like the idea of having this building this kind of community where there's climbers and yogis and all sorts of whatever you know just like a community a, a hub essentially it's, kind of like it's a, a great place to go because the drinkers don't go there because they don't even think of it as a bar no and as i'm a not a drinker and i really don't like being around drunk people as a rule if it's yeah. drunk people i know that's slightly different but drunk people yeah. i don't know fuck me off <laughs> yeah yeah they're like so, other people's kids aren't they that's it like, and you, you yeah. get the all dayers that have been in there just waiting for people to come in to talk to yeah but yeah. at least at the climbing thing it was generally just us in there on a monday night a bit like going to the bowling alley isn't it yeah. I remember you used to go to the bar in the bowling alley quite a bit um, after work. Not to go bowling, but just it was quite a nice Americanized kind of bar, quite a nice place to sit down. That's it. It sort of taps into that weird nostalgia you have for 50s America. That yeah, big Lebowski. You never experienced, but, you know, you watch <laughs> a few good episodes of Happy Rilla. Days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I'd love to have, like, an American diner. I wouldn't want the hassle of running it, but I'd love to have, like, an American diner, like one of those ones that's in a can. Would you do that? Is that... Would you like that sort of? It's, it's not what I'd do. I'd like to own one. I'd like to be so rich I could own one and get somebody else to run it, and it's just there. What would you do if you didn't do your job then? I don't know. I mean, I sort of dabbled at amateur level in things I wanted to do. So, comic artist was one I always wanted to be as a kid, but obviously, yeah. in the nineties, that was a million miles away. Yeah. Um, ironically, I didn't realise how close it was to be possible. <laughs> 
you know, if I had that actually worked the skills. Yeah. Um, and I dabbled in filmmaking as well. Yeah, I remember you saying you dabbled ones. in filmmaking. And um, I'm, I'm quite happy now in what I do. Sort of. Yeah. I finish at a time where I can be home for the kids and I'm lucky in that I like it. I mean, I'm sure, like, as with most jobs, you sort of hit a point where it stops being the job you originally signed up for. But, mm. but yeah. yeah, otherwise, sort of, again most of my things would be like if i didn't have to worry about the finances of it i'd love to set up like a community hub for artistic people yeah so a bit like you get from setting up your climbing frames thing is that you build a little community because i'm big on community yeah very old-fashioned like that i'm not talking about you know going back i think it's lost isn't it that that's that's the problem is that the social social media is completely kind of destroyed community it's even little things like i mean you don't get a milkman anymore but just the days of you knew your postman by name you knew your milkman by name yeah. kind of thing all of that's gone well um, my boss said that to me actually shops. before christmas he said um oh did you tip your your postman and i was like i've never met my postman he's like did you tip him i was like i don't know when he comes <laughs> i was like a, and he's like would you not get letters i was like not really i was like i get amazon stuff every now and again but i was like that, i think that might be curious i don't know yeah it's really bizarre isn't it it's like because all my bills come like on the app that's it it's, um, it's a it's a dying thing it's a, it's a bit like sort of when i decided that i was done with hmv was my regular customers either moved away or yeah. sadly died off so it Gone was the days where somebody would be come in and be like, "What's new?" And I'd be like, "Well, I know what you like, so I can recommend this and this and this." Yeah, it must have been amazing working at H and V back in the day. It was. It's just eventually it became about selling fucking membership cards and all that shit. Yeah, asking yeah. people to fill out like, surveys. Just, you know, please validate my existence. Yeah, there's still one in uh, Wickham at the moment, and I walk past it, and pop in every now and again, and it's like they've they've got like um a few big kind of trade style marvel books there now they're, they're trying to push the whole comic they've, scene in there but badly they, yeah badly. They, they've gone the forbidden planet thing of like you know a little bit of comics a lot of funko pops and then yeah sort of at the back is the shit we used to be known for yeah yeah but i mean yeah, it's, it was that weird thing like when i first started going to comic shops you were a a little bit scared to go mm. um because you didn't know what the fuck was in it and generally you know the cliche of the comic book guy in the simpsons is sometimes accurate in that they can be quite grouchy because you imagine the shit they probably got growing up being a comic book fan then they've mm-hmm. opened it instantly your backs up and you're like i don't know whether you're actually genuinely interested in superman or whether you're building up to mock me yeah so you, you sort imagine? of had that weird yeah. buzz from them shit man like i remember like buying music in music shop and um what was it was it um it was spaceman by babylon zoo <laughs> and i remember i had that and i had space like my neighborhood or whatever it was called that was a pretty good track and a couple of other cds as well like you know singles because i saw i could buy it at the time because I, I was a nipper and i remember going up to the thing and just bricking myself because like oh god should i buy it? i shouldn't buy it. i have babylon zoo in here i should go to another shop i should go to like Woolworths or something because this guy's gonna completely like rinse me because yeah. you gave a shit what the guy thought at the desk because he saw me every week 
buying bits and bobs, you know, buying That's records it. or CDs. And you're like, oh, God, he's going to see I'm buying Babylon Zoo. He's going to actually rinse me. And then you'd see that glance, you know, like where they'd go, blip, blip. They'd give that look up and then a little eyebrow would pop up just to say, fucking hell blip <laughs> and you're like oh god the trick's always to like slip in an album by the who or <laughs> something like that just so they go some oh, zapper nice yeah oh yeah, yeah. But again that's kind of it's the thing i love in again diverging off of it but um yeah. mr holland's opus the bit where he talks about going into the record shop as a kid and the guy giving him a record yeah him buying it on his recommendation him hating it and listening yeah. to it over and over again and you don't get that it's all part of what's lost the community. I mean, you get online recommendations and that, but who really gives a shit about that anymore? But I think like you touched the, the only recommendations on... I take now is if it's mentioned on a podcast in which I respect yeah. the opinions of the people I'm listening to. I think that's the I closest I get agree. to that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the only critics I can really trust now are people that I know that have got the similar taste to me. That's it. Because they're which honest bad, it's, about we're stuff. We're all in our own little incels now, aren't we? Yeah. I think it's like, you know, because Tony's doing his um, Honest Review Month, isn't he? Yeah. And um, I think what's quite good about that is that you actually, with, with the honest part of it, what I think sometimes reviewers forget is that people are going to go and spend their money on this. Yeah. And if you don't think that someone should spend their money on it because it's shit, then you shouldn't. You should tell us that it's crap or it needs improve. I mean, I'm not one for people being like, this is a pile of dog shit and then not saying why. Like, I always well, no, it has it, to be. It's got to be because you can at least then be like, well, he thought it was a pile of dog shit. But what he's described actually sounds like my kind of thing. So yeah, I'll take a or, punt on it. I didn't. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, Tony's very good at it. But it's that thing where someone says this wasn't very good because this plot bit didn't make sense. And this didn't make sense. And that didn't make sense. The idea is very good. The art's very good, um, but the way it kind of links together doesn't really make it easy to understand. So that to me is giving you the ability to then go, right, well, I'll give it a punt or I won't. Whereas if you're like, yeah, it's amazing, really great, loved it, it's the best thing ever, and then the next one comes out, this is the best thing ever as well. After a while, you're like, well, that one was actually pretty good. That one was crap. That was crap. And at that point, you're like, well, I can't take it. Your opinion. Empire was like that for me. You know, Empire magazine. Yeah. Amount of times I read that and went, oh, OK, I'll give this a go. And be like, this is shit. Like, and then one day said it was shit. I thought it was really good. So at one point I was like, right, anything they say is bad. I like <laughs> they say is good. will bore my socks off. So that's my barometer of, you know. Yeah, the trouble with things like Empire is that it's you put it all as Empire, but it's like twenty different people doing reviews. Yeah, so it's yeah. That's what that's why I quite like about that's why I love Barry Norman. Um yeah. why I enjoy watching old episodes of Siskel and Eva on YouTube and why I like Mark Commode is that it's like, you know, I don't always agree with you and sometimes I think you're fucking insane in what you're mm. telling me I should like. Mm. But at the same time I really enjoy listening to you talk about it because you're giving me your informed opinion and telling me why it worked or didn't work for you. Yeah. And then I can decide after that what I think and what I want to do. Yeah. And then I'd be like, well, you know, Leap Year sounds like it'd be right up my street. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, you were right. Leap Year is a bag of shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But all right. And uh, what profession would you not like to do? Hmm. Good one. 
What would I like to do? I would not like to work in the NHS. Yep. <laughs> My wife works in the NHS and it sucks. Uh, well, that's harsh. It doesn't suck. She loves it and she's very dedicated. And every day I am completely blown away with how she can do that every day. Yeah. I've got a very low threshold of patience. So I think I just couldn't handle dealing with the politics and the bureaucracy and everything they have to put up with. And then watching TV and having the media slate them for something that's got nothing to do with them. It's just it seems it seems like one of those jobs where it's a, a thankless. It's a thankless job, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But then you, you're apart from sort of on the base level of actually the people you see. Yeah. And deal with. That are thankful and the cards you get from family saying, thank you. Our mum came home and stuff like that. And you're like, OK, now what have I done in my day? Oh, I, yeah. Coloured in a logo. I, I... <laughs> nice. <laughs> Like I've got nothing to but society. people who do that job. It's something I couldn't do. Same with being a police officer. Yeah. No. Massive respect for people who do it, but I just couldn't do it. There's so much in those jobs I couldn't handle. It's a confrontation of being a, a police officer, you know. Yeah. But I just I mean, couldn't. That, and it'd be anything involving kids for me. Same with working in a hospital. I yeah. just couldn't handle it. Couldn't deal no. with it at all. I've no. always had a thing about it, even before I became a parent. Yeah. <laughs> it's like tenfold now. No. Bag of nerves, but yeah yeah no it's not nice but i just yeah can't do it if you, if you want to make me cry in something you instantly do the cute kid thing oh yeah and then whenever there's a kid murder or something like that on a blooming film i just now i'm a dad i'm just like oh god oh god oh god keep it together man keep it yeah. together keep it together suck that tear in suck it in <laughs> It's like, what's this episode of Criminal Minds about? No, we're skipping this episode. Yeah. I don't want to watch it. there's also that thing it. in the back of your mind of like, you know, shit, now it's playing out in my mind worse than it probably is in the program. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, so do I watch it to push that out? I mean, yeah. I remember I just watched... You uh, just end up torturing yourself either I way. I didn't watch uh, Marley and Me, you know, the, the dog yeah. from Brian Wilson. And my wife was like, why don't you want to watch this? I was like, it's only going to end one way, isn't it? Why would I put myself through this? it's not going to be it's a film designed purely to manipulate <laughs> yeah it's a film that tell you know the dog will die at the end that the dog <laughs> the span of the dog's life is very short that's what's going to happen why do i want to watch that happen you know it feels like a film that purely exists because like roy in the office was like yeah i don't cry at anything and somebody was like right fucking having him <laughs> marley and me watch. I but i haven't seen it so i should but i assume it's pretty sad Anything it's, with an animal in it always is always a bit. It inevitably sad. goes the way you think it's going to go. Of My it youngest does. loves dog movies. Oh, so we've God. watched like a dog's journey, a dog's purpose, all that. And yeah. like Snow dogs. dog's journey and dog's purpose, the dog dies several times in that because it's the same dog living in different dog, like oh, different dog God. lives and different dogs. So <sighs> it's kind of it's like you know oh, you've got the thing of yes the dog dies but you also know he's coming back as a different dog in like the next three seconds. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time. it's I'm always dubious about dog movies. No, it's a bit like Up. Have you ever seen Up? The yeah. uh, Pixar. The, the beginning of that film, bloody hell! Every time, <laughs> I have to like, really like, su- like drag the emotions down deep and bury them like a proper man, you know, as we've been brought up to do. Take your emotions and just crush them down into the pit of your gut and hold it there till, the, till after it's finished, and then we can kind of start laughing about Kevin and the uh, the snipe. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a movie that's purely designed for the first 10 minutes it's just like getting kicked in the nuts repeatedly. yeah <laughs> yeah because you just think of your grandparents you think of everything you just like on you just, well, you just look at your wife and you're yeah like, oh, oh this is happening to us we're living it now this is only going to end one way fuck we need to buy balloons <laughs> <laughs> lots of them I've got a chimney. Shit. <laughs> Brilliant. Oddly, that sort of brings us nicely onto the last question, which is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, you did good, kid. I think that'd be my favourite. That's that's all I'd need to hear. Nice. You did good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of doing good, where can people see the good work you do? What should people be checking out? Where can they find you online? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Forp, M-R-F-O-R-P-E. Um, you can find me at 4p.co.uk. You can buy my uh, comics from. Um, I've just got um, today actually got the proof free from the latest comic I've done with Tribute Press. You uh, smashed it on the art on that. So. Oh man! I mean, you you smashed it on um George and yeah George Mayhem yeah. Sorry, the name completely went from my head. Right. <laughs> it was like it was there until I said it. <laughs> um, yeah, you smashed it, but then sort of Hank Fur. I was like, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I, like, I mean, I'm no, not blowing smoke up your ass because you're here. No. But I've always loved like the books you put out that were mm. just. I mean, you could take any one of those pages and put them up. Um, yeah fucking stunning and then yeah. yeah sort of watching you sort of move out of for want of a better term the, your comfort zone with the stuff you've been doing with tony yeah I yeah with george i was like this is it man this, this is good it. he's peaked and then yeah. it's like her came out i was like fuck this fucking is hell i know i know it's well i did going through the machine that page i was like fuck fucking me. yeah i wouldn't even know where to start with that no well this the funny thing is so I did George, obviously, as you know, with Tony. And then um, I made that whole thing. Where I was like, all I'm going to do all, all year is just, I'm just going to draw comics. I'm not drawing anything else, really. I'm just going to do comics. And I did um, the mini comics, which, as you know, which was uh, Pussy Man, Fists, Lips, and Bugman. I fucking loved those. As soon as you sent yeah. those through to me, it was like, check out this thing I've done. I was like, this is amazing. That was, yeah. it was like the yeah. highlight of my day. I was like, yeah. so fucking joyous. I'm working on another one at the moment called Truck Stop. So you'll be getting those. Like yes. I've got I've got another three or four I'm going to do this year anyway. So you'll get another load of those at some point. Um, but so basically, um, when I started doing fur, I'd done those three minis and I'd used them specific, specifically to um, work out how to do different kind of camera points and how to kind of draw differently and how to draw black and white and kind of get it down properly um and when we were doing fur and tony was obviously did amazing writing on it um every time i sent tony a page i was like fuck dude i'm i'm kind of uh getting nervous now i don't i don't know if i can keep this up like i feel like i'm i'm imposter syndrome right now it's going pretty it's going really well <laughs> and Tony was like yeah mate you're smashing it you can just keep just keep it up keep it up and I was exhausted by the end of that book I was exhausted because I think I was panicking by the end of it that is going to be 
you know that I'm going to keep the standard up yeah and the proofs came in today and I said to Tony um we did a we had a chat on Tuesday and I was like mate is the, this is the best thing I've ever this is the best thing I've done today I was like I don't know how uh, obviously I'm going to somehow improve I don't know where I'm going to prove improve or how or what I'm going to do but I was like the when you see it in book form fucking hell like the 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 scene you're talking about where he goes through um through the machine when you see the double page spread of that it's fucking nuts like even i was like i don't know what's going on this is insane <laughs> this is crazy and I mean, then i like, look at it on my phone and i was like this is not the right place to be looking at this i can't <laughs> wait to, i'm gonna have yeah. to I'm, i take it's gonna be available outside of the patreon because i didn't upgrade to the yeah print no copies, i must admit you, so. no one's gonna get it printed from through patreon Cracking. like there yeah, tony was like he can't he did it for george as a one-off yeah no i mean that was i wasn't expecting that from yeah yeah um so that's a gorgeous little book as well yeah I mean, wait wait till you see this what this one um george was good was very i like was very happy with the production but this is us comic sized so it is well sexy like i i think i rang tony twice today just shouting down the phone going tony you're gonna jizz in your pants when you see this it's fucking incredible and he's like Yes, no, I think I'm I'm at work at the moment, mate. Um, <laughs> but that's great. Um, you, You're on speaker. It, I'm in front of a yeah, class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, thank I really appreciate your kind words. I was so yeah. It's, uh, I'm kind of scared for what the next book is going to bring because obviously we won't spoil it for pe- people listening because they probably haven't seen it. But um, the last page when Tony was like, oh, this is what's happening in the last one. And I was thinking, oh, fucking hell. I'm going to have to draw this in the next, start the next book, aren't I? <laughs> it's like, and he keeps laughing with me about it. Cause he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working out how, how Hank is going to, um, what's going to happen with that, that last page and how I'm going to carry that on. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck me. It's going to be so hard. <laughs> like, it's not just, I love your streets as well. Yeah. There's a, I mean this with the utmost respect. There's a wonderful simplicity to them. There's just yeah. enough detail that you don't need any more. You don't need any less. It's... Yeah. And there's loads of funny little bits I put in stuff as well. Yeah. Like um, I think what the chip shop's called Cod's Place. That's it. <laughs> Which you know it's just and like I put things on number plates and I think in one of the scenes um, it says uh, Tony for Falpy and things. <laughs> <laughs> there's loads of stuff i hide everywhere like in 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 the books um, i love hiding even if it just didn't amuse yourself it's... yeah yeah no indeed i think that's it it's um yeah it's yeah thank you it was a yeah it was good i'm i'm it's one of those things like you say when um you same with your drawing really you, your drawings come on like massively in the last few years it's ridiculous but you kind of you have those days don't you where you draw something and you think fuck that's actually so i've done something there i don't know what i've done but visually it's working better yeah and then you kind of get slightly paranoid because you're like have i fleeked that or <laughs> have i learned somehow have i learned something i didn't know that i'd, I'd learned or there's always the danger as well that because you've noticed it you can never capture it again 
yeah. like a weird lightning in a bottle moment. Whereas if you yeah. went and, and noticed it and just sort of carried on going through and then noticed yeah. it, you'd be like, well, no, that's cool. But if you, sometimes you catch it at the wrong moment and your mind just goes, you'll never do that again. Yeah, I'm like that with fight scenes. I can do like fight scenes and sometimes like, for example, like in Fur or George, I'll, I'll draw it and then be like, yeah, that there's so much energy in that. That feels That feels amazing. And then I'll draw a few more pages later on and be like, oh, shit, I've lost the energy. Yeah. It's gone. What did I do there that I haven't done there? And I'll spot something and be like, right, I need to re... Okay, delete half of that bit and then start again. And I need to include these lines and that hand should be moving there. And I need this texture in there and all the rest of it. And it's... I mean, that's the beauty of working digitally yeah. over um, traditionally, even though I prefer... If I could work traditional, man, I'd, I'd do it all day long, as I've mentioned before. But um, at least this gives me the opportunity to. I mean, last year I made si- I did six books last year, which I could not get my head around. But at the like in December, I was sat there like, fucking hell, how have I, how have I even done this? Yeah. You know, like I don't, I couldn't get my head around it, and it's just literally because of the iPad, because I can do my comic pages at lunchtime. You know, it just means. I, you know, the the level of detail I'm going in now, pages are taking longer, which is bloody annoying. So on the new one I'm working on, Truck Stop, I think I've done like nine or 10 pages of 18. And that's taken me a month to do 10 pages, whereas it used to take me about, you know, 10 pages I could do in about two weeks. Yeah. Um, but. I think it's worth it because I think it looks better and I'm kind of down to put more detail into things now. Not loads of detail, but like you say, like on the street scenes, I think it, I've, I've kind of learned that it's important to kind of have an establishing shot somewhere just so you can kind of get an idea of where are they and what what is it like. Whereas before, I would kind of just be happy to kind of do talking heads and kind of body poses and you know more kind of just based around the characters because that's why I used to enjoy drawing I used to hate backgrounds yeah but um yeah I think now I've kind of learned to kind of I still don't enjoy it massively but I understand um the importance of them and therefore I don't mind doing them because I know I've only got to do them once or twice and then I can kind of you know move on and people like okay like when i did in hank when i did that huge um double page uh factory scene yeah you know and it's like when toes like i'll just go nuts and i flicked through the script i was like do i have to draw this anywhere else not really cool right go nuts because i literally that's in five more fucking pages yeah exactly it's like right i need to okay I need to print that out and stick it up so I can see what I would be looking at. But that wasn't the case. So I could go absolutely bananas on it, which is brilliant. Um, I have got no idea where Tony's going with it either, which is scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've never done anything for somebody else or written anything for somebody else no. to draw. So I've never mm. had that relationship just because I'm not in that position yet. Mm. I think you sort of have to get yourself to that point. Um, yeah i was lucky because i mean i'm still doing like things where i'm like halfway through doing a comic i'm like this is shit no one's gonna want it what the fuck are you even doing i think that's that mindset of like you know just push forward and chuck it out there if nobody likes it who gives a fuck 
Yeah, I agree, man. I think like when you sent me that uh, squirrel mini comic, I thought that was awesome. I absolutely love that. I talk about that all the time to people because it was such a lovely moment of me sharing something with you, then you sharing something with me. And it doesn't have to be serious all the time. And I think that's what I learned doing like the mini comics is it's more an experimentation and it's just having fun. That's and it, and it comes it, back to community again, doesn't it? Exactly like, that. Exactly like that. I don't. I don't want your money. I just want you to read something I did and hopefully enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a nice thing to kind of share around because, you know, Lord knows at the moment, it's there's nothing nicer than getting an email from someone that isn't either a asking for money or b asking you to back something or yeah. c it's a bloody you know a bill of some description you know it's just lovely to get a message from someone saying hey i've done this thing enjoy i mean i think the comics thing's in a weird sort of area at the minute because mm. i mean i don't know with no cons it sort of changed the way some people look at it and it does mm. feel a little bit like sometimes it was like got a new kickstart got a new kickstart it's like yeah oh really can't we just that's why that's what i like about like alan henderson it's, like, it's up there for free every day yeah yeah check it out or enjoy it or you can be and read it or damn with yeah. vanguard it goes up free yeah um, and you can buy it if you want to if you want to collect it you can do that or not you know or just people being like oh, i found this old comic i did it's up on comic house it's like yeah 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 it, it gets tiring when it's the constant oh, no one's bought anything from my website for a while do you mind popping on it's like well yeah no one's bought anything because you're just telling the same people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's what Tony and Vince and Dan and that were saying, wasn't it, a while back on, on their pod where it was like, it's such a small group of us now, really. Yeah. You, we all buy each other's stuff because we enjoy it. And then, you know, that that's that, really. That's it. And by no means am I saying that people should be giving shit away for free. No. I generally find if you give shit away for free, people then buy it when it becomes available to buy. Anyway, as long as mm. you don't stupidly overprice it. Because this is, mm. I mean, this is massively off <laughs> a film podcast thing. But yeah, sorry. People seem to be overly pricing themselves at the minute. Mm. If it's not on the actual comic, it's on the postage. Oh, postage is ridiculous. It's not even that expensive for postage. No, it's like, why am I paying a fiver for this? Unless it's coming like in a brick. Yeah. Yeah, I sent Tony, um, I sent him his proofs today, so I sent him four, and it was 0.7 something kilograms, and it was a large letter, and it was £3.30 something for first class. Yeah. And it's like, if I can send him five books, why am I paying £5 to get an A5 comic on its own? Yeah. No, it's the same. I know there are certain people that want it come in between two very thick slabs of wood so it doesn't yeah. crease. But I'm like, just chuck it in a do not bend envelope. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. It arrives in the condition it arrives in. I'm going to read it. I'm going to enjoy it. I've it's a two no pound comic. It's not. It's, it's not. Like, no offense, but you're a small press creator. I'm not expecting that I'm going to be able to sell this for like hundreds of quids later down no. the line. So I'm not going to be sending it off to get it CGC. No. I mean, there's a little part of me that's like, I've got a few Jack Teagle books and. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Waco, WJC. Yeah. Oh, does it? Oh, I can't remember his name now. Warren Johnson, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Warwick John. Warren Warwick Warwick Johnson, isn't it? He did know, all but... the stuff. He did the stuff with um, 
uh, Mike Mignola. Um, yeah. Um, you know what I mean, don't you? He does a yeah, kind of my distorted right. view. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> but I've got a few of his originals. I've got uh, a thought bubble that I'm like, ooh, I'm holding on to that. Because yeah. that's like hand staple made old school. And now he's doing stuff with Dark Horse and Magnolia and all that. So it's like one day, that's, you know, that's going to be pretty sweet. That's it. Don't get me wrong. If something turns up in pristine condition, I'm happy. But I'm also not going to be straight online if something turns up bad as well. No, no, totally agree with you, mate. Totally Unless agree. I've spent hundreds of pounds on it because it's a particular kind of book. Mm. Then I'll mm. be pissed off if it comes bad to fuck. But yeah, if it's like a two quid small press. Or even like a two quid 90s comic. I don't mm. really care. No, <laughs> no, because they're for reading, right? That's the whole point. Exactly. Mm. I got no time for slabbing and all that <laughs> shit. The speculator thing of, oh no, I've got to look after this. It's like a bag and boredom, but beyond yeah. that, that's, that's the maximum amount of care I'll give them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bag and board like blocks of things together, certain books. So I'll buy yeah. a load and they would be like, right, stick six of those in that, squeeze them all in, I'll be all right. Fuck it. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, the likelihood of me selling them while I'm alive is pretty slim. And if I am selling them, it's because I don't give a shit about them anymore. Yeah. So it's my wife and or kids problem when I die. Yeah. They do what the fuck they like with them then. Yeah. <laughs> they've become they've become like museum pieces, probably, before they'd be able to sell them. They'd be like, this was a whole thing that happened back in the day where people used to make weird pictorial books and sell them for nothing and then moan about it. Yeah. <laughs> Then argue about what grade condition it was in. <laughs> I think you'll find mine is a 9.6. <laughs> it's like, is it? Fuck off. <laughs> awesome. Brilliant. <laughs> On that note, cheers for doing that. Not a problem, mate. I enjoyed every minute of it. It's been good fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> been looking forward to this one. Yeah. Me cheers, too. man. Take care. No worries. Take care. Bye now. Bye, Jay. We really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Wang? No horse shit, Jack. No horse shit. Hey, Jack. Deal with the faults of others as gently as with your own. Just listen to the old pork chop express here now and take his advice on a dark and stormy night when the lightning's crashing and the thunder's rolling and the rain's coming down in sheets thick as lead. Just remember what old Jack Burton does when the earth quakes and the poison arrows fall from the sky and the pillars of heaven shake. Yeah, Jack Burton just looks that big old storm right square in the eye and he says, give me your best shot, pal. I can take it. And that was Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, I'd like to thank Daryl for coming on the episode again and talking about the film. Uh, if you'd like to find him online, I'll put all the links in the show notes in case you missed him in the episode. Uh, I highly recommend checking out his Instagram and his website. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and you fancy more, join us back here again in two weeks' time for another movie chat. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, just remember what old Jack Burton does when the new episode drops and he enjoys it. He shares it with his friends. So, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, why not share it with your friends and ask them to check it out? Uh, Or if you don't want to share it, that's also fine. It is completely up to you. So until next time, sit tight, hold the fort, keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by two weeks' time, 
call the president. Thanks for listening. Bye. Yeah.